Good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the Press Box Studios here in Baltimore. It is a beautiful Saturday morning. My name is Paul Valley. I am your host. And this is my incomparable and multifaceted, extremely talented. Wow. I am Extremely talented co-host Zach. Do you like Whitman. how I, I faded the music kind of perfectly there? That was kind of perfect. I feel I like I feel like every time it's a little bit shaky, and that time it was really it was really pretty it was pretty spot on. Zach literally just told me three minutes ago what did I do? that he is not an arrogant person. No, I'm not. And then I'm not pats an arrogant himself person. on the back for doing. Um, it was just really good fading. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it, it, it was it was really good fading. I'm just I, I I'm usually I'm I'm proud of myself for doing that because usually every time I'm on Glenn Clark Radio, he goes. Why did you just fade that out like that every time? Because it's so bad. Because I just kind of like cut it. And then at that time, it was it was beautifully faded, if I do say so myself. Well. Well. Zach's had a rough week, so we're going to give you this one. No, it was, it was, it was, it was a fine week, actually. Uh, school's going well. We just had this story. School's, anyway, anyway. We'll, we'll move on from that. I don't yeah. really... No, I, we're not going to put it... You I, don't, we're we're not, not, I don't really want to talk about anything not, like that. Yeah, because you've... Things are things are going things are going great. The ba- the you, you the, got, Oriel, the yeah, Orioles season hey, is about over. Turn, the Ravens turn, are turn your are, mic down. You're, you're, you're louder than me, and I can't have that. Maybe I'm just screaming. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I need yeah. to start screaming like Glenn does. Uh, Glenn, go- I mean, he just starts absolutely screaming. Yes, but, into but the if mic. you notice when Glenn sc- screams into the mic, mm-hmm. he backs away from the mic like this. Yeah. He, oh, okay. So to, I got to scream. Yeah. So if you're gonna get okay. loud, okay, fair enough. If you're gonna get loud, you got to back away from the mic. Did you see the Glenn skydiving video this week? I did not watch it. Oh, you should watch it. It's pretty, um, good. pretty good. I've every skydiving video I've ever seen is exactly the same. Well, yeah, people jump out of a plane. That's kind of the point of skydiving. I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure my <laughs> buddy Josh cried. Um, oh, good wow. guy. He was in my wedding. Love the dude. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a cry. I'm a bit of a crier. He's a bit of a crier. Um, we I went to. Do you remember that game against the Vikings in the snow when they scored like five touchdowns? I was at that game. I was. That's what I was saying. I was at that game. Yeah, there I was we at go. that game. There we go. And I was at that yeah. game with Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a regular season game in a season in which the Ravens go eight and eight. Could not feel anything. Could not feel anything on my body at that point. They were throwing snowballs at Adrian Peterson. Yep. Uh, he until he got injured. He he did get injured in that game. I think he got carted off like halfway through. So the the Vikings were. I think they were better team than the Ravens. They were that year. at that point. Yeah. And yeah. somebody had said to me. Oh 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 oh! I I said um I was facing Adrian Peterson in fantasy football, and I said. Yeah. I need Adrian Peterson to have something like seven carries for 13 yards. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson had seven carries for 13 yards and then left the game with an ankle injury and he never came and back. And that's why you won Take the Rake, I guess. Yeah. It's just Paul has his well, crystal We're going to get to Take the Rake here in a minute. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Oh, you got a trophy? Is that is no? There's actually? no, there's no trophy. Oh, I not that... yet, not yet. The oh, season's okay. not over. Then that's what we're gonna get to. Or is it just that you didn't get to buying it this week? No, it's shut one, it. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I, one, it's one of the Zach, two. <laughs> Zach, calm down. I uh, I went to go buy a statue. It's not a statue, a trophy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about getting a shirt made. We're wow. gonna get to it. We're gonna, we're gonna get to it. Look, one one story at a time. One story at a time. Okay. Um, so I'm at that game, mm-hmm. and. I turn to Josh after Marlon Brown scores a game-winning touchdown. Yes, and he's crying. <laughs> and I looked. I said, "Dude, are you crying?" And he's, uh, uh, and I was like, "Dude, 
It's a regular season game against the Vikings. Like, calm down. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was a great game. It's one of the greatest games in the history of the franchise. It was. It was in an eight. In, it was a regular season game in December, in an eight and eight mm-hmm. season in which the Ravens didn't make the playoffs. It wasn't worth crying over. But Josh is a bit of a crier. Maybe <laughs> Billy Bob cried because Billy Bob's a bit of a crier. Calm it's, down, Paul. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it was. It was. Maybe he was crying for the cold. I don't know. No, he was crying because because of the game. He was anyway. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, um, look, this is the last regular season game. Or last regular season show. Yes. On the bat around for yes. the Baltimore Orioles. Mm-hmm. Season's over. They lost last night 6-4. to four. Kelvin Gutierrez hit a home run. Pat Vileka hit a home run. Also, yeah. he's went 2-4. for four. Um, But this guy, Krisky, is that his name? Brooks Krisky, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, not good. Named after Brooks Robinson, by the way, yeah, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, he uh, gave up four runs. And what, like an inning? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, his, his ERA is fourteen fifty. I think he's been bad every time he's been out so far as an Oriole, which yeah. is I think a three or four appearances at this point. Oh, but that's basically the the that's the season in a in a microscope. Yeah, sure, you know what sure. I mean? Um, in a, in a nutshell, a- essentially, Brooks Kresge's pitching performances have been a good representation of how the Orioles' season has gone, and I should say, basically every other pitcher on this roster, it's all been rough for basically everyone. And Brooks Kresge's not one of the only one, not the only one at all. It's yeah. been it's been a rough showing for. 95% of pitchers who have come through this franchise this year, and Brooks Christie's not the only one, but it's, again, it's uh, it's a waiver claim. So that you, you know, right. make of that what you will. Right. Corey Dick- Dickerson, uh, Danny Jansen, uh, homer for each homer for the Blue Jays. Dan- mm-hmm. uh, Jansen drove in three. He had a three for four night, drove in three runs. Orioles lose the game six to four. Unfortunately, the Diamondbacks blew a seven to nothing lead, and they lost last night nine to seven to the Rockies. Um, and now they have a two game lead with two games to go on the Orioles. So the Orioles would need to win the next two, we need to lose the next two games, and the Diamondbacks would need to win the next two games, which ain't happening. So the Diamondbacks are going to get the number one overall pick in the draft. I would, I would think so, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, the season's over, and it's funny. I was watching the game the other night when the Orioles beat the Red Sox. What was it? It was six to two yes. the other night, and Laura sees me watching the game. It was it was during Monday Night Football. Not, I'm sorry, Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't give a crap about a Bengals Jaguars. <laughs> I, I'll watch it because I like football, right? And I watch most. I, I, I turned it on with like six minutes in the third quarter left. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm going back and forth between the games, but. The Orioles are my baseball team. And what do I love more than anything aside from Laura? Baseball. So when they're playing, I'm going to watch them. But Laura says to me, babe, the season's over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but it's, this is my team. She goes, I was like, babe, the season's been over since May. <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, goes, and she goes, yeah, but it's really over now. I was like, it is. I was like, I get it. This is the last baseball, last Orioles baseball mm-hmm. I'm going to get to watch for five months. Right. Five months right. of no Orioles baseball. And like, like, look, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. I love this team. I don't love the team as it's currently constructed, but I love the Baltimore Orioles. You love the idea of the team right. and I, what I, it could be in and, the future. It's not even what it could be. It's, it's This is my team. This has been... Baseball was my first love. Yes. This is my passion. Yep. Right? And so... I'm going to watch them win or lose. I'm going to root for them to win, even if losing is what's better for the franchise right now. Which, look, I get the argument that the Orioles should be losing. Mm-hmm. The Orioles should be losing. I get the argument, right? I can't do it. I'm not with that either. I I'm can't, not with that either. Like, like, I can wrap my brain around it, and I can sit here and say, yeah, 
it'd be better if they lost. But when I'm watching that game, I don't work that way. I'm not built that way. I'm not wired that way. I can't watch the game and say, hey, I'm cool with you losing. Right. Now, if they lose, right now, it doesn't bother me as much as it would in a contending season, mm-hmm. in a 500 season. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me as much as it did last year when they were in it till they weren't. I mean, I guess every year, every team is in it till they aren't. But the Orioles legitimately were still in the play- They weren't eliminated from playoff contention until the final week of the season last year. Right. So when they lost, it bothered me. Yeah. Since about June. Now, if they lose a game that they should have won, if they lose a game where they're up 10-6 to on the Blue Jays in the ninth inning, and they lose 11-10, to they should win that game. If they're up one to nothing, in the, well, these are in the seventh thing because they were in a doubleheader. If they're up one to nothing, and Keegan Aiken's pitching a no hitter into the into the final inning, and they give up eleven freaking runs in that final inning, yeah, that bothers me. But if you're up six to four in the sixth inning and you lose that game seven to six, I don't really care. It, at this point in the year, if it was April, yeah, that bothers me. But right now, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't mind the losing, but I want to see them win, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. I, I don't disagree. Um, like, like you said, I mean, losing is technically better for the franchise. But again, Mike Elias talked about it this week, actually. They picked Colton Cowser number five. So far, Colton Cowser has had, you know, and this is, again, a very small sample size, but out of all the draft picks, Colton Cowser has pretty much played the best. He's been unbelievable yep. so far out of any draft pick. Colton Cowser selected fifth overall. Just because you're selecting one overall does not mean you're going to hit with that pick. It doesn't always happen. Well, I mean, and, and here's the other thing. Elijah Green. Everybody wants Elijah Green. Oh, I'm going to get on this in a second. Elijah. Yeah. Uh, guys. We, hey. we, are, we, are, we are about a year out still. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're nine months away. I mean, we have you're, no you're, idea. You're, you're, yeah. You're nine months away from the, right. ma- from the major from the draft. There's still right? a whole other college season. A, a, and a whole other high school season. Exactly. Right? Brady House was the number one yes. guy yep. going into this past spring. Along with Kumar Rocker. And, right. And look where they fell. And Kumar Rocker fell to 10th, and he's not even yep. on a major league roster now. And House at 11th. And, so. and, right. Because they fell off. Right. The velocity was down for Kumar Rocker. Uh, Brady House had developed a hole in the swing and, and, and started swinging and missing way too much. Yep. You don't know what's going to happen with Elijah Green. And here's the other thing. The Orioles love yeah. college bats. You look at their top picks each of the last three years. College bats. Yes. Yeah. The best players in the draft, excuse me, when the Orioles picked this year were high school shortstops. Those were the best guys. And they went college bat. So are you really convinced that if Elijah Green if Elijah Green is the consensus number one pick next year mm-hmm. and the Orioles have that number one pick, which they're not going to have, are you convinced they're taking him? Because I'm not. Not. In the slightest. Right. There is not one part of me that has any confidence that any of what Elijah Green has done in, you know, in the past few months or any of the talk you've heard about Elijah Green going number one has any bearing on what the Orioles will do if they pick number one overall or even number two. Say Elijah Green doesn't go number one to the Diamondbacks. We do not know the Orioles are taking him number two. I, I'm so tired of hearing about Elijah Green. They, everything we're doing is for Elijah Green. Lose, lose, lose. Elijah Green. I see the you know people posting videos like all day from Orioles accounts of, of Elijah Green hitting bombs and going, can't wait for this. I'm going, guys, you're going to be disappointed because I can almost tell you right now, the Orioles, there's a good chance they don't pick Elijah Green because, one, he could fall off and become a guy that goes seventh overall or eighth overall. Number two, 
like you said, the Orioles draft college bats. They've done that so many times in the past few drafts that they really haven't focused on high schoolers at all early. And here's the thing. Even if he is the consensus number one, and Arizona doesn't take him at number one, there that doesn't mean the Orioles are taking him at number two. And there's no guarantee if the Orioles were to get a fifth pick, he would make it to them, or they would even pick him at that point. You just don't know. It, right. There's so many factors that go into a whole, you know, there, there's a whole 2022 season to happen. Um, there's guys like, you know, Jace Young. There's guys, uh, you know, there, there's, I mean, there, there's a million guys right now that are in contention for a top five pick. Um, and, and, you know, Brooks Lee, the, the Cal Poly shortstop, is the guy that I'm currently projecting the Orioles to take because the Orioles love college bats, and that's a, a as a you know a, a, a position of need in in you know in the Orioles system still. So the Orioles could go take a pitcher. Who knows? We have no idea. I, at this I, point. I, I don't. The Orioles don't take pitchers. They in, might in, though. But, but I, we don't. Not, really, not, we, not at the top of the draft. We don't really know that they won't though. I'm. I can almost. Un- I, I can almost unequivocally tell you that they won't. But um, yeah, and, I mean, they, they, because I don't know that there's a pitcher that's worth it. I think a pitcher, a college pitcher, is just as likely as Elijah Green. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, which isn't saying much because I don't think that Elijah Green is likely. I don't. I, I also agree. Would I, would, I, would, yeah. I, would I love him? Do I love what the potential is and what he could become? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I. I so here, here, I, I can't. I, I will never be able to tell you at any point, even the day of the draft. Yeah. I won't be able to tell you the Orioles are taking Elijah Green. So he's here, there. Here's one thing that's really interesting. Elijah Green struck out at about a 34 percent rate in high school this year. Um, so teams look at 22% as the threshold. If you're under 22% strikeout rate, teams love you. Uh, that's generally the threshold. A lot of them work between 22 and 25. I read this in a book by Kylie McDaniel um, that talked about you know, uh, 22 and 25% strikeout rate. That's like what they want to see from a prospect, especially... In high school, you should be under twenty-two percent. I would generally think you should be under. You should be hitting, you know, five sixty in high school, six hundred in high school, because that's what Bobby Witt Jr. did. Uh, guys like you know, guys that go one-one. Bobby Witt Jr. is a really special kind of. Talent, he is, but so Elijah Green apparently is too, yeah. and to be striking out at thirty-four percent is high. I, the Orioles, you know, they don't really seem to care too much about strikeout rate because, you know, they took Heston Kerstad, who's a guy who strikes out a lot. Jordan Westberg struck out a lot in college as well. So I'm not sure how much they really care about that. But 34% compared to a threshold that you want to see around 22%, that's a, a major difference. And I, I think could turn a lot of teams off if he doesn't bring that down in the spring. Yeah, but, but and that's the other thing, though. There's not, a, there's not much emphasis put on strikeouts anymore. That's true. Because it's, 34% it's, high school, though. Yeah. It, it's it's three true outcomes, right? Yeah. It, it's it's strikeouts, walks, and home runs, right? And th- that's that that's it. That's that's what people look at. If you strike out thirty four percent of the time, but you walk thirty four percent of the time, and then you hit thirty five home runs, they don't really care, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're not you're not going to walk thirty four percent of the time. That that's outrageous. But you get what I'm saying. They they don't really care. It's I I. I for a high school guy, it's alarming. For a high school guy to strike out 34% of the time, he's supposed to be the best high school position pro- position player prospect since Bryce Harper, 34% is alarming. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree. It, it certainly is. But we're nine months away from that. Right. So we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't need to worry about it right now. Just be prepared, guys. And look, don't be so upset that the Orioles aren't going to get the number one overall pick. Like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's, it's really not. It, it, especially because there's no... Right now, it's Elijah Green. Right now, it's a high school outfielder, right? So, is it, can you really hang your hat on that? Keep this in mind. If the Orioles were somehow to get the number one pick, there is zero guarantee they would take who everyone thinks is the consensus number one guy. 
Yeah. I'll just say that. Look at Henry Davis this year. Henry Davis was ranked number 33 by MLB Pipeline going into the college season. He, w- he was taken number one overall. Yep. Number 33. And then he, I believe he ended up at ranked like number four and number five on, on the Pipeline list. And everyone thought Marcelo Meyer was going number one. Everyone was convinced. Guess what? Pirates didn't do that. And the Orioles are probably less conventional than the Pirates are in that sense. So there is a good chance that if the Orioles picked number one, they would not take who everyone wanted them to take. It's just that way. It just it just works that way. No, it, it, 100%. And it, anyway, again, we're nine months away from the draft. We have no idea what the Orioles are going to do, whether they get the first pick, the second pick. And look, they're locked into that second pick. They're not getting the third yeah. pick, the yeah. fourth pick. They're, they're locked in, right? But I'm hoping, I, I swear to you, I, I, I hope and pray it's the last time that they even have a top 10 pick for a long time. Mm, they yeah. they, they uh, need... Well, they Look, if you're picking top 10, you're winning about 70 games. Roughly. Uh, 70 yeah. games or worse. I, I I don't want that. Well, that's... Do you expect... I mean, we have to talk about, I guess, what you expect for next year then. Oh, we're going to get into that. that. Okay. We're, we're going to get into that later. We're going to get into that in the Orioles banter. Real quick, before we, uh, before we move along here, we'll talk a little bit about Kelvin Gutierrez, who we're also going to get into um, okay. uh, in Orioles banter. Over his last 15 games, Gutierrez is slashing 348, 412, 543. That's a 955 OPS. And he has a 282, 344, 424 slash line over his last 30 games. The defense has been outstanding, right? The defense has been very good. The bagat, the, the bagat. The bat is beginning to play. It's looking more and more like Calvin Gutierrez has the inside track to third base next year. Uh, they, they, I, they love his defense. Yeah, he's got an element for, to his for game. lack of better options. Well, right, right. It's a bridge to gap. Yeah, right. But he because they're not going to go out. A Kyle Seager's going to get is going to have his option picked up right, probably right. by the Seattle Mariners. And then if he didn't, it's going to be a crazy amount of money. Yeah, even though he's thirty, even though he'll be thirty five. Yeah, next yeah. year you're not going to pay Kyle Seager. You're not paying Chris Bryant. You're not going to... Jose Ramirez is going to have his option picked up. Uh, Nolan Arenado is going to exercise his option because it's for $35 freaking million. Yeah. Right? So, like, look. These... uh, Maybe Eduardo Escobar. Maybe. But that's still probably about a $10 to $15 million player. And I don't think the Orioles would go in that that route for for one year. Not after what Michael Elias said this week, which I definitely want to get into later as well. Right. I'm surprised that wasn't your sounding off segment, to be perfectly honest I figured we'd have more time to talk about it in Orioles banter because... See, I didn't really... uh, We'll talk about it in Orioles banter, but there was something you said where he's like, expect this offseason to be like last offseason. Mm-hmm. When I've read Rock's article, that's what the title of the article was, though, with with the Baltimore Sun. It, that that's what right. the article was titled. So, well, that's what the, that was them reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. He never said that. He, I, I read the article. So Rock, with Rock, Rock is more positive. Yeah, I, I didn't. He, Michael Elias never said that. That was just the Baltimore Sun trying to read between the lines. Was it John mm-hmm. Mioli that wrote that article? I'm not sure who wrote the article. I'll, um, I'll check on that right now. But it, the, from what I got, it was, hey, look, we have a lot of pitching that we really like in our system. But but the, I, but the pitching that we have is not enough to com- to compete with the other guys with the other teams in the American League East. So we need to add. What what I got from that article, the the from Rock's article, mm-hmm. was they're going to go out and try to add some veteran starting pitching. How much they spend, I don't know. But, but you get, yeah, I got the feeling that he's going to try and add guys on major league. I mean, deals. I have no doubt Matt Harvey's coming back. I have zero doubt in that. 
Yeah, no, I, I think so. That if, but if that's the level of move they're talking about, I think they'll do better. That's that. incredibly, incredibly disappointing, and I, I think irresponsible. Honestly, I, I just, you have to surround Rutch Motel. We, I mean, we talked about this for weeks. It's just so incredibly important that they surround Rutchman and Grayson Rodriguez when they come up inevitably this year with talent. Um, by by the way, Nathan Ruiz wrote that article. Okay. Um, and and frankly, I completely agree with him. I think when you read between the lines, I agree. I think that's what Elias meant. But that's just my opinion, at least. You can you can well, t- you can take it multiple ways. When, when I when I when I read the comments, Elias said when he was asked, "Do you expect to be in play for the top free agents on the market?" Mm-hmm. He said, "Probably not, but I'd never say never." Uh, and this is me paraphrasing. And he basically said, "If there's a player who's at the top of the market who's willing to take a uh, a short term deal, like a two three year deal, that's something we'll explore." So he's not closed to the idea of it. But when I read between the lines, who who are the guys at the top of the market, right? You have five shortstops who are going to get a lot of money. He's not going to spend that kind of money on a shortstop when he knows that he can save money and have guys who could develop into that type of shortstop in Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson and Daryl Hernandez and Joey Ortiz, right? He knows he has those guys, and you drafted them with the intent of them becoming those guys. That's why you drafted them so highly. As far as the pitching is concerned, you're not going to give a ton of money to a Clayton Kershaw or a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander. No. Or you're, you're not going to do that. And any, because, anybody that age is not worth it for this team anyway. Right. Marcus Stroman is a guy, I, I w- we've talked about this at nauseum. Marcus Stroman yes. is a guy that you do that with. Um, but even then, I'd be surprised if the or- I wouldn't be shocked if the Orioles did, but I'd be surprised if they did. Um, when I when I look at Mike Elias's comments, I don't. I'm not doom and gloom. I'm not expect this offseason to be like last offseason. See, I, that's exactly the way I'm thinking about it. But I, and, and again, that's the way, that's admittedly, the way I, I perceived it. Admittedly, I did not read the Baltimore Sun article, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have to read that during our break. It yet. basically just kind of summarizes the the comments Elias made, and and he says that you know one of the things he was asked is he was asked, "Are you going to get Carlos Correa?" Um, and he said basically no. Um, well, of course he's said, not. And he said no. So and I think that's his, his comments are almost taken a little bit out of context with that because he basically said we're not going after any of the top guys. We we, we can't afford to go after the top guys. Well, but so but so. And I think that includes Stroman. And, and, we, and we do need to get Stan on the line here shortly. Um, but but here's the thing. Of course they're not going to get Carlos Correa. That doesn't mean that this offseason is going to look like last offseason. Last offseason they did bare minimum. They, they brought in Wade LeBlanc, Freddie Galvis, uh, Matt Harvey, and Felix Hernandez. They did, they did nothing last offseason. So... That, just because I, I, he says, "Hey, we're not going to be in play at the top of the market," mm-hmm. well, no, duh, you're not going to be. My in play. point is, is I just have no reason to believe that Elias is going to actually spend after saying, you know, just kind of reading between the lines of what he said. I just don't. I, I don't feel like he made a comment that said to me, "We're going to go do things differently than we did at last offseason." He almost just said, "Expect more of the same." In my opinion, and that, and that's uh, again, and, when you and, read between the lines. And again, I need to read the article, and I will. I'm okay. gonna. I'm gonna yeah, read it today for sure. Uh, I need to read the article. Um, but there's also a lot of other factors there, right? Like they don't have a new CBA yet, so there's no guarantee that right. the, the, they don't know. They don't know who's going to be available. If there's going to be any point to it, they don't know. If, the, the, there's guys that they that don't know that they can add to their 40 man roster to protect for the Rule Five because they don't. Have, they have no idea if there's going to be a CBA, right? If there's going to be a new CBA, and if there is a work stoppage, 
guys that you add to the 40-man can't play in the minors right. next year, right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a real quick quote by Elias, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so I think that if it's the right player and the right fit and the right value, we will entertain that and hope to and look for it. I think, very frankly, we may not, may not be assured of getting something that we like, and I'm not going to artificially force something like that just to be able to say that we did that. That really made no sense to me at all, and that's exactly why I'm talking about that. See, uh, see, I, I, it, I <laughs> oh my gosh, Stan's gonna have to wait through this end sounding off. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Stan. We can, well, let's do sounding off at the end of the show and just talk about this. But it'd probably be, it'd be a good idea. Okay, uh, that, that's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll do it that way then. Um, but the, what I take from that is, I'm not just gonna go out there and get somebody just to get somebody. I need mm-hmm. somebody that's gonna that's gonna fit the system. Right now, yes. if if there's a player that costs X amount of dollars, right? Let's see. Let's say this player is Zach Davies, and he's going to cost you eleven million dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's the right player and the right fit. I I look at it as like he's going to go get that guy for eleven million dollars. I don't I don't I don't know that he's willing to spend that much money. But you get what I'm saying. If Zach Davies is available and he's the right player, and the Orioles can get him for eight to eleven million dollars, I think he's going to entertain that instead of saying, "Hey." I'm going to go sign Justin Verlander coming off of Tommy John surgery, and I'm going to add him to this rotation, even though we don't know what his arm's like. He's pushing 40 years sure, old. Sure, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to give him $25 million because of what his name is. Yeah. He's not going to do that. And, and that, that's how I interpret it. I didn't interpret it as uh, look for more of a Wade LeBlanc, Felix Hernandez, Matt Harvey thing. I took mm-hmm. it as right player. Right price. Right, maybe, maybe right price, maybe a little bit above right price, and we'll do it. So one more quote. Uh, Our pitching definitely needs to improve, Hyde said. This is from Brent Hyde, obviously. Uh, We're really, really young in the mound with guys that lost a lot last year. And so let's see what they're like next year. And I'm sure the front office will bring in guys to compete. That one area for us to make big strides in is definitely where we need to be better on the mound. Um, So I'm sure the front office will bring in guys to compete. To compete sounds like to me, again, a Wade LeBlanc kind of guy. But again, I I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. Didn't Mike Elias... I mean, didn't Brandon Hyde just agree to an extension? He did. Right. He did. So don't you think that he had conversations behind closed doors with, I, with, I'm with, sure. with Mike yeah. Elias where he said, you got to give me better. But maybe Elias said, we're going to go for it after the season. We're going to punt another offseason, and then you know, we'll sign a Freddie Galvis for you know, $2 million. We'll sign a few, a few veteran starters that aren't great, and then we'll really go for it after 2022. Maybe that was the conversation they had. Let's I don't get, know. Let's get Stan on the line. Go ahead and get Stan on the line. Real quick, uh, the rest of the show, Stan, in just a matter of seconds from Barstool Sports, we have Eric Arditi at 10.50. The payoff pitch around the league at 11.15. Orioles banter at around 11.20. From BaltimoreBaseball.com, we have Rich Dubroff at 11.40. And then we we have Take to Rake, the final regular season edition, and Zach's sounding off segment with Zach Goodman uh, to close the show today. Stan, good morning. Thanks for, waiting, uh, thanks for waiting so long. How are you today? Okay, good. What's up? Uh, so we're sitting here, we're talking, we're trying to dissect Mike Elias' comments, right? And um, this wasn't really in the notes that I sent you, but we got into talking about it, and we really want your take on this. Zach seems to think, and the Baltimore Sun seems to think, that we should expect an offseason just like last year based on Elias' comments. My take from Elias' comments is that if it's a fit, and it's something that he thinks is going to help this team and not just be an artificial, on-the-surface type of signing, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to spend more money this offseason. What are your takes on what Michael I said the other day? Well, uh, he's not signing a Zach Davies for $11 million. I mean, if, if there are guys that are maybe two guys that they can add to this pitching staff that are in the 3 $4 million range, perhaps they would sign sign them to a one-year contract. That's kind of how they're, I feel. They're, after, not, they're yeah. not ready yeah. to, to spend any 
serious money. I mean, guys, as much as I've gotten dazzled by some of the, the great stories this year, like Mountcastle and Mullins, I got to be honest with you. Last night, I happened to be looking at the standings and saw the run differential and saw that we're, you know, there's only one team in the American League that scored less runs than the Orioles, and that's the Texas Rangers. The Orioles have scored 650 runs and allowed 928 or something like that. I mean, there's a 278 run differential. They're not about to sink. They know they've got to put a better product on the mound, especially the pitching. Uh, and there's enough, there's enough smoke and mirrors on the offensive side right now that they can convince fans that, hey, we got a pretty exciting offensive team. But, boy, when I, when I saw those numbers, because I hadn't looked at them in a while, and that was eye-popping that were 278 runs to the minus. And that's a lot yeah. of differential on both sides of the ball. And I don't think they're ready to spend any real money. Um, they know they're going to have to spend more money. And remember, they're going to have less money uh, going to Chris Davis next year. Uh, but they will have some raises that players will get as well. So that $20 million that Chris Davis, we're not paying him in salary next year, you know, at least two-thirds of that gets wiped out in raises to people like John Means, Cedric Mullins, Santander, if he's back, uh, Mancini, and Mountcastle, and Hayes. Stan, what do you make of the fact that the Orioles currently have zero dollars on their payroll going into 2022. Do you think that makes them more, I guess, probable to spend more in free agency based on the fact that there really, have, there really they, is no payroll? They do have zero dollars. So obviously, once they pay arbitration, and then obviously everyone gets their their you know elsewhere gets. Yeah, their, but gets they got zero in guaranteed contracts. In guaranteed contracts, zero dollars. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, I I expect them to 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 attempt to. They, they know they can't spend $10 million on pitching next year, okay? I mean, as I a total pitching salary, that has to at least double next year. They've got to spend 20 or $25 million oh, I get what you're on saying. pitching. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm looking at the, at, the, at the free agent market for starting mm-hmm. pitching. And so yep. basically, guys, and, and see, that's, that's where my problem is, Stan. Guys that you're going to get for 3 to $4 million – are either retreads or or guys that just they're not, they're going to give yeah. you what Matt what Matt Harvey gave you this year, which is a, close to six ERA. Yeah. You're looking at guys like like uh, Cole Hamels, who's pitched one game in the last three years. I'm out on that. They're, you, not, signing, you're, you're they're looking, not signing Cole Hamels. You're, you're looking but, you're looking at Rich at Rich Hill, Jake Arrieta, who's got nothing well, left. I'm, you're looking at I'm, Chris Archer. I'm all I'm all in on a guy like Rich Hill for next year. You know, uh, considering considering that he went through the year that he did last year, where he pitched very little for Minnesota, he came back this year, and and don't get me wrong, I don't think he's suddenly going to come to Baltimore and pitch to a three point five ERA and and win fourteen or fifteen games, but he can go out there every fifth day when he's healthy and give you five to six innings, you know, of of decent four run baseball, you know. And that's not horrible for four no, million. No, uh, R- Rich million. Hill, and probably, you know what? He probably won't cost four million dollars. It probably cost. He'd probably come to Baltimore next year or anywhere for two point seven five and some incentive. Well, yeah, he 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 made two and a half million 
this year right. On, on, right. on his contract. But he had, he had a decent year. He was really good uh, this he year. Was okay, he was okay with Tampa. He wasn't the right guy for, for pitching the way um, uh, Kevin Cash likes to pitch. Then he went to, ironically, a, a terrible situation in New York, you know. And and frankly, he did not pitch well. But I've watched him carefully because I made a trade for him in my fantasy league. I've watched him carefully. It, when you factor in, you know what's hard to, for us to imagine is why pitchers' performances here were a little funky. You, you've got to factor in some of that is from shaking off a lot of Absolutely. rust from 2020. Absolutely. Know? No, I, I agree with you. I just, I'm yeah. looking at the free agent market and I mean, I, Arietta, I, I, I'd have, I'd have no interest in Arietta. Yeah. You know, no, nah. uh, yeah, he's done it. At I'm, this point, I'm, he's done. I, I, I want to think the Orioles will do this. I want to think they're going to, they're going to sign pitching and that they're going to upgrade it. That is my, my hope. They, they I, have I think, to. I they think can't it is, come in. They can't come into 2022 with the same pitching I think product. it is absolutely irresponsible, unacceptable for us to look at this as fans if they don't sign pitching and they don't come out with better pitching next year. I'm yeah. just not confident they're going to do it. I really well, so, I'm so, really not. So here's the thing, and you, and you go back to Elias' comments about mm-hmm. this, right? And his comments are, we're not just going to spend money just to spend, just to spend, it, just sure. to spend yeah. money, right? It's got to be like and the so, right thing. So, so you look at these guys. You look at these guys on this free agent market, and sure, you could go out there and you could give Matt Shoemaker $3 million or $2 million to come in here and pitch next year. Yep. But now you're spending money on a guy who's still going to pitch to a 5.5 ERA, and you mm. haven't improved your ball club. So they have to find a way to spend smart money. Maximize, on, maximize value. To, to maximize yep. the, the, the money that they're spending. To spend smart smart money and still be good mm. enough to 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 be better next year, which is why like I'm looking at these and I'm like, you're gonna if if you really want that if you really want pitchers to improve mm-hmm. next year, you're gonna have to spend eight to eleven million on a guy. I, I just really think that that's what. That, because, there, there's no way they're gonna jump up and spend eight eight or eleven million. Stan, I agree. They're, I, they're, I don't, not, I don't, they're not there yet. Uh, they're, they're not there yet. But then it's all the, them. They're just blowing a bunch of smoke up our butts because there's nobody well, which, out there. Which is incredibly frustrating, but that's exactly what I expect. There's a lot of room between having the top two pitchers on your pitching staff be Matt Harvey at a million dollars and Sean Armstrong at $900,000. There's a lot of runway between that and spending eight to eleven million dollars on one pitcher. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these guys and none of them make the Orioles better. None of none of these guys, except for Rich Hill, none of these guys I'm looking at, in my opinion, make the Orioles better because you're looking at guys that you're expecting them to have bounce back years after two to three years of mm. not being any good. Yeah, you know, okay. I'd have to look closer. I did look. I did look a couple of weeks ago, and that's where I came up with Hill being the, like the most attractive, inexpensive yeah. guy. Honestly, I just think that's a problem that there really is no way around at this point. Yeah. There's not cheap starting pitching that's effective. And that's generally the way it is because starting pitching is in such high demand and it's just not going to come cheap. I, and that's why I'm just so skeptical that the Orioles would spend 8 to $11 million. That's why I, I agree with Stan that I think – the, uh, me seeing the Orioles actually go out and spend it, I'll believe it when I see it. That's just what I want. Well, I think we're all on I really, guys, I really want Do you guys have to. any idea what happened to Aaron Sanchez? With the no, Giants this know. year, his numbers were were impressive, and then all of a sudden there was an injury or something. I mean, that's a guy that might make a little sense 
you know. That, no, that, again, that makes he's, sense. But he's five years away from having been a top tier pitcher. Well, he he has the injury issues. He always has the blister issues. Um, he yeah. pitched really well, had uh, the injury, yeah. and then he and then he came back and pitched to like a, a plus six, a six plus ERA. Uh, yeah. When he came back, so they released him. I think it's telling that he really wasn't. I don't think he was picked up by anybody. No, he no. wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't. And I think that that's telling. I, I, I mean, Aaron Sanchez could be a guy, but then Stan, you're paying this guy uh, two, yeah, three million a, dollars. He's a two and a half. Pitch. He's a two and a half, three million dollar guy. He's not. Yeah. He's not getting six or seven. Oh, he's absolutely not. But he's also yeah. not going to be on the mound for thirty starts. He's going to make fifteen starts. Yeah, and maybe, maybe not even that. Mm-hmm. And that's. Yeah. that's I'd, I'd have to do more. You know. The club would have to do more research into that, and I and I believe they will. And after they seeing, just, they just trust me. They know they can't feed. You know, but but what they've done is, is when you look at that number of runs scored, they've sort of the pitching has been so bad that they've sort of blown smoke and mirrors up our butt. That the offense is decent. When I looked at that run scored number and saw that the only two teams that scored less runs than the Orioles were the Marlins, who don't have a designated hitter. They scored 45 runs less than the Orioles. And Tampa and... Um, Texas. And, uh, Texas. Well, Texas scored yeah. less runs than the Orioles. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. And, and, but I think there's also something to be said for what... Like, there's a game where Dean Kramer pitched and the Orioles were down 6 nothing after the first inning. And that, right. that kind of... It kind of defeats your team. That doesn't... That didn't happen all year long. But... And you, but you also... I mean, when you had Pat Valeka and Kelvin Gutierrez before he recently got hot and Rio Ruiz and uh, a terrible Michael Franco in your lineup every day... Uh, it's not surprising to me the Orioles were one in, were one of the bottom three teams in score and runs scored this yeah. year. Um, well, I, I just by by not having paid that close attention to it, I somehow got sort of I got calmer because of the Mullen story, the Mountcastle story, and and watching some of the and, and Austin Hayes's two months. You know, um, those stories sort of led me to think, yeah, hey, we're offensively. I mean, we're not really close offensively either, you know. Yeah, well, and that's and, my point: is is why invest eleven or twelve million dollars on on pitching when you don't even know who your shortstop, second baseman, or third base are? No, it's it's an absolutely yeah. fair point. Now, somebody that's going to help with that offense next year is Adley Rutschman, and and Stan, he should be the Orioles' opening day catcher next season because of service time. He might not be, uh, and, and you know this from my notes. I'm in the camp that if he's if Adley Rutschman is that good. You don't have to worry about service time manipulation because you're going to extend him far before he gets yeah, to that point. I agree. So, Stan, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think – now, Michael, I said they're open to the idea of Rutschman being the opening day catcher. How likely do you find that scenario? Um, I, I think where they are with the public, I think they need a, like a positive story coming out of spring training next year. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, no, yeah, we're here. Okay, we're I'm here. sorry. I had a beeping in my ear, and I thought it, I might have I might have pushed the button or something like that. Oh, we're here. Um, I think I would lean. I would say that at this point in time, if there is baseball on time, I would say Rutschman is about a 75 to 80 percent that he starts the season. Wow! If not, they will do the the three or four week thing and get him up in early May. But to me, they they owe the public a little bit more good faith and to try and manipulate him for six years down the road right now 
is not the right move to it's do. Not people the right look. people sense that they already got the free the sort of the free season this year because he would have come up this year. Yeah, you know, it's true. Had it not been for the pandemic. Now you mentioned if there is baseball. We had Melanie Newman on the program last week, and right. she said that she is extremely confident that there's going to be that the deal is going to get done because they know how bad it would be for the game if they don't get a deal done. What is your confidence level, Stan, that this new CBA is reached before work stoppage happens? Well, I you know I would say that the best thing that they have going for themselves is that there's nothing leaking out in the public what uh, what they're talking about because right. I cannot believe they haven't sat down and had some preliminary discussion. So, uh, you know, look, I've been around a lot longer than Melanie, and I'm not making fun of her or anything like that. I mean, I've been around through all the prior work stoppages, and it's hard to believe it's been close to a quarter century since we've had, like, a major problem come up and I remember back in those days you always took the approach that the feeling was well they're smart enough not to they they understand how much damage this would do to the game I'm not sure when when these people get in loggerheads and we're finding it right now with these uh, with the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill you get close to something and you sometimes people of good faith work toward work toward resolving a problem. I'm not sure these people are ready to really work at resolving a problem. You know, uh, so I'm count me as sort of skeptical that that there will be baseball on April one next year. Yeah. And, and I get where you're coming from with that because I, last year, with this pandemic, they could not get on the same page. We're going to play an 80 yeah, game Yeah, I thought We're that was, that was ridiculous that all ridiculous. of a sudden it boiled down to just mandating that there were going to be 60 games because that's how much money they were going to be, be willing to lose, you know. So. Yeah, it's, it's, you you really can't have any kind of confidence they can get on the same page at any point. You would hope the mm-hmm. cooler heads will prevail for the betterment of the game. But we've seen now, it. We've I seen generally it find when you have two guys as recalcitrant as Rob Manfred and Tony Clark that the the bet is really smarter to bet that they will uh, dig dig themselves deeper into their trenches. Yeah, well, we'll see how it I goes. I, 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 I'm, I'm skeptical like you, but ultimately, I think something will get done because I feel like it has to get done. Now, uh, before we get into talking about some, some, some playoff pictures here, Stan, I want to ask you real quick about Grayson Rodriguez because Michael Elias also said that they would be open to Grayson Rodriguez opening the year on the Orioles opening day roster. He said that he hasn't pitched in AAA, but there are pitchers who don't need to pitch in AAA. I think it's far-fetched. I think he's going to start the year in Norfolk and be here for good by June. What expectations do you have for Grayson Rodriguez as a rookie? Is he good enough to be a difference maker in that rotation? As a rookie. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any chance that he starts the season with the club. Neither do I. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd rate that as a zero. Um, I think if everything goes well, and I'll tell you one of the things that needs to go well to me is I have to see Grayson Rodriguez become more of a six-plus inning pitcher yes. where he's going into the seventh inning. He's learning to get hitters out a third time. Uh, that's when you'll really know what you have here. Uh, I'm not saying that they're uh, 
it's smoke and mirrors or anything like that, but I'm not convinced he's he's ready or even really that close to being ready. To me, they babied him um, a bit, and uh, I think I think he needs to go down and have at least 15, 15 starts at Triple A, yeah, and then be putting up some big numbers and increasing that innings pitch total a little bit. And, and I think that there should be some limitations just to keep the arm healthy. But I think mm-hmm. that you should be seeing six inning starts from him and some seven inning starts by the time we get to May. I, I think that's yep. I think that's what you need to see yep. because it was by design. It was he's going to go five innings, and then it was he's not going to go beyond eighty five pitches. You right. needed like take off some of the reins uh, next yep. year. And I, I would I, agree with. I, that. I agree with you, Stan. Now let's yep. get to the playoffs here. The Orioles took two or three from the Red Sox, um, uh, which. Put the Red Sox into a tie with the Seattle Mariners, who have not made the playoffs for 20 years. Last night, uh, the Red Sox beat the Nationals. The Mariners, I can't believe that they came out in a game that they needed and they lost 2-1. to one. And then and Kyle Seager gets the leadoff double in the ninth inning and doesn't move off a of second base. Just terrible at bats for the following three guys. I like, Your season's on the line, and the Mariners, they put up one run against a very mediocre at best uh, Angels team. Stan, we have two games left. You have the Red Sox within a game of the Yankees for the top, top wild card spot, but then you have the Mariners and the Blue Jays within a game of the Red Sox. We ask this every week because it changes every week. How is this going to play out in the American League wild card? Um, I mean, I, th- I think that with two games left to play and who the Red Sox are playing, I think they have an, uh, they have a very high probability that they will come out of this the right way. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Now there is a scenario in which the Yankees could just be they could get swept by the Rays, and if each of these next these other three teams each win their <laughs> yeah, last the two Rays games, would love nothing more than to do that too. Yeah, if the Yankees get swept by the Rays and the Mariners, Red Sox, and Blue Jays each win their next two games, the Yankees are on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, which is which is it's not it's. It's not, not impossible. impossible. Not impossible. It's, it's improbable, but it's not impossible, right? I think that if the Yankees win one more game, I think they're automatically in. So I think if they win tonight, they clinch. But uh, they the, got Jordan Montgomery going today, and then it's got to be Garrett Cole. It's undecided tomorrow. If they need yeah. it, it's going to be Garrett Cole. I have yeah. to imagine it's going to be Garrett Cole if they need it. He um, hasn't been exactly the most, uh, you know, most count on counted on guy, you know. He's, he hasn't pitched like a $35 million pitch. He certainly hasn't. Since, since they did the spider tech thing where he, he can't use the sticky substance. It's so funny, though, because when they when there was a point where he was pitching really poorly ever since they did the spider tech thing, and they, yeah. they, they brought it to his attention, and he went out and gave up like one hit over seven innings yeah. in his next okay. start. So yeah. I don't put it past Garrett, Garrett Cole. I think big pitchers show up in big games, and if they need him right. tomorrow, I think he's going to I show mean, that up. would be t- that would be a, a statement that they would need him to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know? Well, if But, they, and if but they, again, Jordan Montgomery today is certainly no lock. You know? oh, he's he, going he's against a not. really good young pitcher, this kid Shane Boz. You know? Yeah. Well, everybody's a good young pitcher with Tampa Bay. It's kind of ridiculous how good these pitchers are. Yeah. Um, real quick, because we don't have a ton of time, yep. if the Yankees do find themselves in the playoffs, is Aaron Boone's job saved for another season? Um, not sure. Um, 
I, I'm I'm not sure that his job is safe for another year. I say you know, is, if they if they get to the one game play in and lose to the the White Sox or whoever they would have to play Houston. Uh, I'm not so sure that his job is safe. I think Aaron Boone's job is not safe unless they win the World Series. I believe that Aaron Boone is... I, I think he's done a terrible job for this franchise for a long time, and I, I think they'd be very much benefited by making a change. I, yeah. I, I think Yankee leadership probably sees that the same thing, but I just think they've really underachieved. You have that kind of payroll, and you have those kind of players. You have an Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres. I mean, these are... You know, superstar quality players up and down the entire roster. Garrett Cole, of course, has like been a seven war pitcher this year. And you're, you know, you're in the wild card race instead of winning your division. It just seems a little bit like Aaron Boone's to blame there. Yeah, I mean, what you have though is the management there, ownership has a lot of faith in Brian Cashman, and I'm not sure Brian Cashman, if given if given enough of the reason to keep him, which would be like if they made it either to the American League Championship Series mm-hmm. and lost to Houston or Tampa in, this, in that, or made it to the World Series and lost the World Series, I think they'd have a harder time fi- firing him. But I don't, me personally, I don't think he's done enough, you know. Yeah, I agree. Now, in the National League, I don't think there's any way that the Dodgers tie the Giants. They've been they've been on they've been behind the Giants in the in the um, race for the division lead since April 26th. There's no way in my opinion that they're going to catch them. So it's looking like it's going to be Dodgers Cardinals in the mm-hmm. wild card game. Is there any chance the Dodgers lose this game? What what does it mean if the Dodgers lose this wild card game? Well, it means that they they needed to win the division to have the you know the comfort of playing a, a real series. You know, anything can happen in a one game series. You know, it is hard to imagine they they would lose to the Cardinals, but uh, Adam Wainwright's a pretty darn good pitcher, and he just got extended yeah, at the yeah. age of forty. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I thought he would have been during this past off season, knowing what the Astros knew about Verlander and everything. I thought he would have been a very interesting two-year play by the Astros at like $15 million a year, you know, for two years. Um, would have been a very interesting pitcher for them. Or the Yankees, something like that. But uh, uh, he's very good, and the Cardinals are, you know, the Cardinals got hot at the, at the right time, and they are a little reminiscent of that 2007 uh Colorado Rocky team that won 22 out of 23 games going into the World Series. Yeah. They then got swept by the Red Sox, but it's uh, it's a little reminiscent of that. And real quick, Stan, final question of the day. Yeah. World Series. Who's playing? Who's winning? Well, as much as I haven't been wanting to say this, I think, I think Tampa's going to have uh, – I would say that Tampa or the Yankees come out of the American League and I would say the Dodgers Giants come out of the National League. You know, All right. I mean that's really that's really cutting it close, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it's it's the Yankees surprise me because I don't I think that they might be the fourth or fifth best team. I in the do American not League. think the Yankees do it. Yeah, I I, yeah. I don't think the Yankees can get there. I just don't think. I, I, I haven't a liked of the, factors. I haven't liked the White Sox. The you yeah. know the they, yeah. they I, when I did my power rankings this week they were twenty two and twenty two going into the last week of the season over the last 44 games. I think they're 4-1 and one this week. I haven't liked the way they're coming in 
to the playoffs. It seems like almost they got less hungry <clears throat> when they got healthier. Uh, and Houston, their pitching just leaves me cold. I, yeah. I can't pick them. So yeah. I'd say Tampa's got a real good chance to be the, the American League they've representative. Got a, they've got a great yeah. chance. I'll tell you right now, though, I will not discount the White Sox because, A, they clinched before everybody else. They ran away with that division. Yeah. Um, yeah. B, Tony La Russa is in that dugout, and that dude has uh, so much yeah. playoff experience. Yeah. And I do think that with a three-headed monster of Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, and uh, Carlos Rodon in that rotation, that they're going to have enough pitching. And then the back end with, uh, what is it? Is it who's they, they, Hendricks and Kimbrell. With, and, and, and Hendricks and, and Kimbrell. Bummer, bummer, you know. Yeah, the, I, I, you know what? I, I'm saying it right now. I think the White Sox are going to the World Series. Uh, okay. I, I, I would also pick the White Sox, uh, but I it's very difficult on the, the National League side because, I for whatever reason, I look at the Giants. I still don't believe in them. The 2019 Ravens, where you have an incredible regular season, but you're just not built for the playoffs and you just don't make it happen there. I, I have a feeling the Giants get knocked Big out. Big game, Kevin Goss, but I, we'll see. White Sox, yeah, Dodgers. No, the Gi- the Sox, Giants, Dodgers. to me, leave me cold. Like, I, I wasn't just, a believer in them all yeah. year. I'm impressed with what they did, yeah. but now it's showtime. And I don't, I don't think they can get through the. Overall, yeah. they're just not that talented. Overall, they're not the yep. Dodgers in talent. Could win 108 yep. games though. Look, we got, yeah, we, yeah. we, we got to run, right, and we'll guys. talk to you next we'll weekend. Talk, all right, we'll talk next week. It'll start to get hot. All yes, right, Bye. all right, we'll see you then. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross went over the late stages of the baseball season while Stan and Gary chatted with Washington Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard. Find it under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up this Monday night, Stan and Ross will catch up with Orioles legend Ken Singleton. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We got to get a break when we come back from Barstool Sports, the one and the only Eric Arditi. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 11.30. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash Sports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year, DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. 
every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, Joe. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandies. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. All right, we're back here for our second segment here on the Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. This is Zach Goodman joining me as always. On the line right now from Barstool Sports, we have the one and only Eric Arditi. Eric, how are you this morning? We're do- we're doing good. I'm just I think Iowa just scored another touchdown, but other than that, I uh I, you know, can't really <laughs> uh, complain. Uh, and that must mean that that uh, Talia threw another interception. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just clocked another turnover, so I think that's 8 now for the Terps. Just <laughs> freaking embarrassing. I, I I you know, I had forgotten about it because it was so painful like to watch. Uh, they they started that game so well and you're thinking, "Oh, they're going to stick with them." And then Talia just keeps throwing it to the other team. Just kept throwing yeah, it to it the was- other team. It, it was it was rough, but one of the pros was I was in bed and and following along the Orioles game at nine fifteen. So <laughs> they uh, they they had me in bed early last night, so I, I won't really complain about that. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, hey man, it's the end of the uh, of the season for the Orioles. Are you ready for the season to be over? Yeah, I mean, I I, I am, you know, just because again, like I and it's going to sound dumb to say this, but uh, it's a grind sitting here and watching all these games. Don't don't. I'm not comparing myself to. A guy like Pedro Severino, who's been battling everything and, and anything under the sun, or Trey, you know, who's we all know what he's dealt with. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a long season to sit it down on that couch, and by the time you turn the game on, it's six to one or five <laughs> to two or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and obviously, you know, it didn't go the way that that we all. I everyone knew that they were going to be bad. Um, obviously, there were stretches during this this season where it was really really bad, and 
you know, almost record-breaking bad. But I, I do think there were a lot of positives that came out of it. There were a ton of good moments, and and so it's not your, I don't know, it's not your typical like god awful terrible season. I think even with the 19 game losing streak and stuff like that, we we I, I had a lot of fun watching this team and and following along, and you know, and and I still I'm still watching every game and, and following along as much as I can because I know. In the middle of December, I'm going to want to watch an Oriole game, regardless of how you know how they would have been doing. So it's just like you, you got to hold on to every one of these games and 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 watch as many of them as you can. Exactly, exactly, and that's why we started the show talking about how my wife says to me um, two days ago, "I'm watching the Orioles as they beat the Red Sox six to two," and she says, "Babe, the season's over." I said, "Well, it's been over since May." She goes, "Yeah, but it's really over now." And it's like, well, "They're not going to play for five months after this, and you know that in December, all you're going to hear me say is, I miss baseball. I miss baseball.' So, like, just let me watch, you know? Because in a few, in two days, we're not going to be able to watch them. Although I am very excited to watch the playoffs. I always am, especially with how these races are heating up. And we're going to get to that in a second. Adley and Grayrod, they're coming next year. I'm sorry, I hate that I just called him Grayrod. Adley and Grayson Rodriguez are coming next year, Eric. Do the Orioles have the top two contenders for the 2022 AL Rookie of the Year? Um, you, I mean, you would think. You know, I, I know obviously they're top top prospect in baseball, and then you have the top pitching prospect in baseball. Who, where did he end up, Grayson, in the last rankings? Is he he's still top ten though, isn't he? I for, believe for he, he's prospect? at number nine. Yeah, I, I think he's number nine. nine. Yeah. yeah. So, so I again, I mean. You know, if, if if you're a betting man, you you got you know you got two of the top guys right there, and they're gonna be they're gonna be you know hopefully pitching to each or you know it's gonna be a nice battery uh, combo for the next couple of years. But yeah, I think I think you would have to have them as one and two. I don't really care which way you you, you rank them for rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I think I think they're definitely gonna be up there. And because um, again, they have the name recognition, people know who they are. Um, obviously everyone around town does, but yeah, I mean, plus, plus just their talent, and right. what we've seen from them in, in the minors. Yeah. I think they have to be, you know, the, the, the two top guys are two of the top three, two of the top four, however you want to put it. Um, I, I'd probably put my money on the, both of them versus the field right now. Well, you know what? Give me the, a trade of Anthony Santander and Kyle Stowers in right field. And I just give me the top three rookie of the year candidates in the American League next year, and Kyle Stowers, Adley Rutschman, and Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, it's far-fetched. I get it. I don't but, actually think it is. But, but hey, look at it. In, the, in 1993, the Toronto Blue Jays had the top three guys in batting, in Roberto Alomar, John Olerud, and I think it was Paul Molitor. Um, so, look, it's happened before where you've had top three finishers in a specific category. Give me Stowers, Rutschman, and Grayrod. All day, every day, next year. Uh, Zach, I believe you had something you wanted to say. No, I, I was just going to ask Eric if he thinks that it would be incredibly beneficial for the Orioles to bring up Rutschman and Rodriguez at the same time. It would probably be the largest crowd that the Orioles have seen since probably 2016. They, they would probably sell out. Oh yeah, I mean it would be it would be it would be unreal. And I think I think we talked about it on the podcast this week. How when Weeders came up, it, it was an event, and when Obviously. Manny came up. I, so I wasn't at the Weeders one. I was at the Manny one. But how they were both like I don't, Manny wasn't. I don't think it was close to a sellout. I, I know it was way in Chen T-shirt night against the Royals. So like, <laughs> Love that. you know, I don't, I don't think people were packing the yard. And I remember they called him up. I think they made the announcement later. You know, the night before. But I remember like with Weeders, I'm pretty sure they called a press conference to announce it. Yeah, that that yeah. he was getting brought up. Mm. 
I think the Adley and Grayson, if they did it on the same night, you know, whatever, if, if, if say, say they're going to do it like that, they call them up on the same night. I mean, that, that would be standing room only. Like, it, it would be, I, I think it would, it would be close to a sellout. It would have to be just because of how excited people are. And, and part of me thinks that would be awesome for them to do. But then part of me also thinks that the Orioles being the, you know, the, the money-driven team that they are and everything is dollars and cents with them, they'll do Adley on a Monday or, you know, Adley on a Thursday or something like that. And then the next game have Grayson start so they can get two separate huge crowds to come in yeah. and, and watch them. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's just me being, Could... being an idiot, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, w- it would be, it would be an unbelievable thing. Might... And uh, yeah, it would almost be like a playoff like atmosphere. Could that be the sole reason that they aren't, both here on opening day because you know you're getting a sellout for opening day yeah, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Adley coming up. That's a sellout. Then you have Gray Rock coming up. That's three sellouts. When's the last time you always had three sellouts in a single season? If they were smart, uh, you know, it's seventh inning stretch on opening day, they would flash up on the big screen, you know. Uh, <laughs> we, we have, rec- we have oh, recalled Grayson Rodriguez. He's starting tomorrow. And then, you know, everyone goes on their phones and buys their tickets or everyone's running to the box oh, office right there. Oh, my. Imagine. Or, like, and then the next night, they're like, oh, by the way, Adley's going to come up and catch tomorrow. You know, something it, like that. That, that, would, that would be They, they should announce they it on the scoreboard. That, that, would be, that would be incredible. Eric, you should be working for the Orioles now. This is a great idea. Yeah, like, like, you want a way to, like, get your fans in. Because, again, yes. I know if I'm at that game, I, I just think of it like the Roger Clemens. Oh my God! You know he's in he's in the box. You know Susan Waldman's call. He's in he's in George's box. Like something like that. If you turned around and and Adeline Grayson were somewhere up on club level, or <laughs> there's there's waving from the club level. Yeah, yeah. I mean the place would explode. It I, would. Like I said, it everyone would. and their mother would pull out their phones and and try and buy tickets for that next game. Yeah. Can you so imagine mar- the Orioles marketing department? If you're listening, that one's for free. Can you imagine <laughs> the beer sales? That they're going to yeah. do when these guys get called up? Because it's yeah. going to be a celebration. Can you imagine the beer sales that they're going to do with that ballpark? Yeah. Is it is it Mississippi State who does the where they throw up the beers in the outfield at the college the college baseball field, or is it? Maybe. I know it's one of the Mississippi teams. Oh, you just got to be. It's going to be like that. We need the we need the uh, the the like the cup snake. You know what I'm talking about? Where they have the they attach all the cups to each other and it goes like seven rows down. You know what I'm talking about? You yeah, guys have seen my, that. And just have a giant cup goal, snake throughout the uh, throughout the stadium. My goal for the cup snake for for those games would be either from the center field bar down to the the right the the ninety section yes, right there, yeah. or just completely right across the bullpen, or all and, down and Utah have Street it like that. Let's just go yeah, all, all down, down Utah Street. Because then when Adley they, hits they hits the that. warehouse, hey, inevitably in his first at bat, ju- just like. Just like you had a part in setting up the gas can, man. Uh, yeah. D- d- down in yeah. down in Bowie. Let's make this happen, man. Let's let's get all of Orioles Twitter, snake. and we'll all go out there and we'll start this cup <laughs> snake it, thing, what? and we'll get it done. Everyone bring two there cups, and it'll work. So look, Eric, I've said this all year. Guys like Adley Rutschman and guys like Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Stowers, you can't expose them to this brand of baseball. You just can't do it. In my opinion, I don't think you want to bring up your top prospects to lose a hundred games. I just think it's a bad look. With that in mind, what are your expectations for this offseason, especially after hearing Michael Elias' comments, which I assume you're, you're privy to um, from Thursday night. What's your ex- expectations for this offseason? Um, yeah, I, I think they're kind of going to follow what they've been doing, and, and it, it may not be to the same degree. I think it's going to be kind of – again, we've seen them go after those, the middle of the infield guys, your, your um, Iglesias, your Freddie Galvis, and then they'll flip them. Um, I, I don't think they're going to get a Freddie Gal. Like I think they're going to try and upgrade 
a little more than a Freddie Galvis or an Iglesias like they have the last couple of years. Um, and then, and they, I obviously like people. I mean, I don't know if it's a bit on Twitter, but people are like dead set on them signing Correa. It's like, not going to happen. They're, they're not going to get it. No, they're they're never going to be in the conversation for Correa with the team set up like this. It's it's he would be insane to even consider coming to a team like this. Exactly. Um, but but it's so I think it's not somewhere in the middle. But they're not going to get like a Freddie Galvis. I think it'll be a step up. And who that guy is, I, I don't really know. Um, it, it, you know, there's going to be there's a decent class out there. I mean, the mm-hmm. shortstop class out there is loaded. Yeah. I, they're not going to get any of those top guys. And again, they shouldn't because it's it, it, it wouldn't. You're, it's like you're parking your your Maserati at your townhouse. Well, well, let me ask you this because <laughs> there's not really that many guys that are out there to play shortstop yeah. after that those, those yeah. top five, right? So you're looking at Freddie Galvis and you're looking at, at Jose Iglesias, the guy that intrigues me, and his bat isn't what it was for for several years. Um, oh no, I know what's coming, Andrelton. Oh no, and look, look, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand that he that you're looking at a guy who's going to hit maybe two thirty. Yeah, right. But he's the best defensive shortstop in the game, and arguably. The best defensive shortstop of all time. He's that glove is still there. That glove still plays. You're going to have this young pitching staff. You have the fifth worst ERA in the history of the American League on this roster this year. I think that they're going to take a long, hard look at improving that defense up the middle, so they can do whatever they can. So that maybe if they don't go out and sign Eduardo Rodriguez or Zach Davies or or Rich Hill, that they can make their pitching staff better just by the defense behind it. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Yeah, I mean that that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. I think the only thing is is what what his salary is going to be. I mean, obviously he he's getting paid ten and a half million dollars this year. You know, I'm sure Elias is is he would throw up if he ever signed a shortstop, you know, <laughs> to a, to a deal like that um, with this team. So I mean that that's the thing. I think if they can if they can get him on a good price, sure. You well, know, I, I I'd be fine with it because like you said, I mean he there's no one smoother in the field. Than than Simmons and and it's they would have they, in in three years them having Iglesias and Simmons is like the smoothest sexiest fielding shortstops you could have. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing about about Simmons. He made ten and a half, eleven million dollars this year, and then he went out and hit like two seventeen. So that that number is coming down. It's coming mm-hmm. down. You're like, he's probably a three to five at best for him a three to five million dollar player at this point in his it, career. It, I think the biggest issue is this year two eighty four on base percentage, only five sixty OPS, fifty eight OPS plus. The uh, only a WAR of one point four, which obviously comes from the defense in you know drastically comes from the defense. So. I don't know, but it might be a good stopgap option. It's not awful. Well, yeah, because they're not going to go out, and I think Eric can agree with me on this. When you're not going to get a Seager or a Story or Baez or Correa or no. Semyon, because a because your team's not there yet. We've we've already said that, but b because you look at who you have coming, and again, a prospect is just a prospect. But the Orioles really believe that they have some a golden ticket with with Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson. If you have these guys coming up, and you're going to be able to pay them league minimum. Why are you going to sign a, a, a shortstop to that long of a contract, Eric? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing. It's it's you can you know why, why double dip and and pay a dude you know I, again they're not going to do this, but why would they pay a, a Javi Baez for example? You know, and I don't even know what he's. I mean, eighty, ninety, a hundred million dollars again. While you have these guys not knocking on the door, but they're walking up the driveway. Like they're not they're not going to be here next year. 
I, I, at least I don't think, but, but they're close. Again, these, these aren't high school guys who they're still growing into their bodies and learning how to shave and, you know, had biology last year. Right. Like these are, these are polished players who we're, I, I think we kind of know what they are. And I, I think they're going to be damn good players. And, and yeah, so I, I'm with you. It doesn't make sense to load up on a, on a big short, a big free agent shortstop like that. When you have these guys again, who aren't knocking down the door, but they're they're pretty close to to making a debut. So I, I'm with you there. It, it just it it would be different if Carlos Correa was like, I want to be an Oriole. I, I I need to be an Oriole. Like let's let's get imagine. I'll take, I'll take six million happening. a year for five years to be an Oriole. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, perfect. Perfect. Um. Now, pitching side of things, the Orioles are. There's no. There's no denying the Orioles' pitching staff is weak. And Mike Elias likes it. And we all can agree that we like some of these pitchers that they have in their system. But they don't have enough to improve next year with in-house. And Elias even said it word for word. We don't have enough in-house to improve next year. We're going to have to go external to get reinforcements here. Where do you expect the Orioles to be in play on the free agent market when it comes to starting pitching? I think it's going to it's going to be kind of the same thing, you know, not, like I was just saying with the shortstops. Not like it wouldn't surprise me if they brought Matt Harvey back. Um yeah. he seemed to be comfortable here Ugh. and and he I mean which again, I'm kind of fine with it. It's it's whatever. Um we saw some nice flashes from him. Obviously, he you know, his season didn't end the way that we really wanted it to him that he wanted it to. But again, like I think they're going to go after those guys, and and I mean there are some intriguing names out there of, of guys they can get. Like, but I don't, you know, do they bring in? I mean, they they have to bring in some of these people. They have to bring in some of the bigger names and and just get, get pitching in here because, like you said, they had they have a bunch of arms down on down in the minors, but we've seen them when they come up, made they, they haven't looked the best, and and obviously they're still trying to groom them and grow them, but. In the meanwhile, you still need some some major league arms. So, like, yeah. I mean, you know, do they go after like a James Paxton who's been injured? Like, I know you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez. Would he want to come back? Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it would be. I, it would be. And it's it's going to be interesting because again, there's a decent amount of pitching guys out there, and they're going to have to do something to to address the rotation because, like you said, I mean. It can't get much worse than it was this year. It can't. And I know the last, what, 10 or 11 games, the starters have actually been really good, but we can't keep doing this, this bring up Dean Kramer and, and, and guys like this. We, we have to get these major league arms in here. Something that people aren't talking about, it's always, are they going to spend this offseason? Are they going to sign these free agents? Are they going to make a trade? Do you see them making mm-hmm. a trade to bring in a major league arm that is – on the tail end of a contract or is young enough that they're still on a rookie deal or something, something like that. Do you not to the rookie deals a thing in major league baseball, but you know what I mean? Um, do you see them making a trade? I think that's as likely a scenario as anything else. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I, I know you, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Santander, I could see them, them trade trying to, you know, trading him um, to a team. And, and it's weird because you don't really see, I, I just feel like you don't really see pitchers, getting moved in trades and obviously with the Orioles we're used to trading a major league talent for minor league guys and and yeah like that's that's not what we want um but yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they moved to Santander or they moved uh you know Trey or you know some of these other guys with with years left um and we're trying got back some some back of the rotation guys again just to get major league arms in here so yeah I mean I wouldn't especially with Elias and how they operate I wouldn't rule out a trade at all yeah, I think it, I think 
for sure, we can say it's going to be an interesting offseason. And people ask me what I think the Orioles are going to be next year. And I tell them, I have to see how this offseason plays out. I They could be a 110-loss team next year if they do nothing this offseason. Or they could be a 75-win team if they if they go out there and they make some trades. I just don't know right now because I haven't seen what they've done, what they're going to do in the offseason. I don't think anybody knows for sure. Now, Eric, playoffs are starting this week. And we still don't, with two games left in the season, we still don't know a few things. We basically know that the wild card teams in the National League are the Cardinals and the Dodgers, right? Um, that, that, that's basically locked up in the National League. But in the American League, we don't know who the wild card teams are. You can say it's going to be the Yankees and Red Sox, but there are four teams within, a, within two games of each other with two games to go. How crazy has this playoff race been this year? I mean, it's it's been fantastic, and even with you know Oakland just got eliminated a couple of days ago, like they were in the running for a while. But but you know, so it's it's basically been those five teams: the Yankees, Boston, Seattle, Toronto, and then again Oakland bowing out a couple of games ago. Right. But I mean, this has been, and again, from uh, with, with a team like like we watched the Orioles, obviously, like you mentioned, they've been out of it since May. This has made it so much fun to watch, and and this is why that the hashtag September spoilers has been so much fun and going out and ruining people's seasons because the Orioles play, you know, they, they play three of these four teams 19 times a year. So the Orioles, you know, have this chance to, to dictate kind of how it, how the, the wild card goes in the American league. And it's been, it's been great. Um, I mean, cause it's it, the funny part is you have these two, you know, you got, you got, you got some different kind of teams here. You have Yankees in Boston who outspend everyone and, and, you know, money is nothing to them and their payrolls and this and that. And they're the big bad Yankees and, and Red Sox. And now they're fighting for the wild card spots, which is just, I mean, it, it's hilarious. My dad's a Yankee fan and he's, you know, uh, he's one of the old school, he's one of the old school Yankee fans who's like a wild card spot is a failure. Like, I don't care if they make it to the World Series, it's a failed season if you're the wild card. Like, George is rolling over in his grave right now because this team is, is you know, a game up on Boston for the wild card. But then you have, you know, the young guys in Toronto who have been so much fun to watch, led by Vladdy. And and to me, at least, until the Robbie Ray stuff a couple weeks ago, this team was so enjoyable and likable. Like, and it was they took such a 180 from the team a couple years ago with that just seemed to have nothing but jerks on it with Grilly and, and mm, you know, Encarnacion and Joey Bats and guys like that and throwing beers at Hunsu Kim. And now it's like, I can't get enough of these guys. Like, I, you know, Flatty and Marcus Simeon, and they're just a fun team to watch. And then you have arguably one of the best stories in baseball with the Mariners being right, literally right in the thick of things. I mean, they're a game behind, you know, that second wildcard spot. They haven't made it since 2001. Um, it, and, you know, it's, I, I think it's the longest, has to be the longest playoff drought in, in MLB history and up there in it, sports. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, the wild, you could not have asked for a better wild card you know, yeah. situation with really. it. It's going to come down to the last day. Yeah. And I don't know. I haven't looked at the times yet. They have to, I know, and they probably can't because Seattle's on the West Coast. I would love for them to do like what the NFL does and put all the games at the same time. Well, like, that's what that's what they did for tomorrow. Every single oh, is game. That, is that what they're doing? Th- that's Even what they've done the, Seattle the last, out West? That's what they've done um, a lot of, with a lot of, the. I think the last two or three years, the final game of the year is at 3.07 on Sunday for every single team in baseball. Nice. It's at 3.07 tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. All right, so so yeah, the Orioles they played 307. The the uh, Angels and Mariners are 310. So per yeah, every game is either 305, 305, 310, 315, 320. That's per yeah. So that's perfect. That 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 will make 
for such a compelling day of baseball. And and I don't think we'll ever see anything like we saw in 2011. But right. tomorrow could get could get pretty dang close to it, and that would that would be awesome. I, I've loved you know by looking at the box scores, checking up, and 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 seeing what's going on because again, this wild card race has been so much fun to watch, especially with the teams involved. Yeah, like now, if it was, don't get me wrong, if it was Oakland, Cleveland, the Angels, and Detroit for those four spots, it would be exciting. But these four teams have some firepower to it, so I love that. Yeah, it's super exciting. And Eric, we are up against it, so we got to do this really quick. Seattle Mariners, uh, super fired up when the Orioles took two or three from the Red Sox to pull them even with Boston. Devastating loss for them last night to lose two to one to the Angels in a game that you need to win. You can't lose that mm-hmm. game uh, at this point in the year. But the Mariners fans were so fired up, they started making donations to Baltimore charities, namely uh, Trey's charity and Mo, Mo Gabba's charity. Tell us a little bit about that and what that means. Yeah, so I, I saw it just kind of like everyone else did. Um, I saw it floating around the internet, and I, I'm in a group chat with Jeremy Kahn and Dean from Thread Level Midnight and Sanzi, Mo's mom, and Dean from Thread Level Midnight said, like, guys, we woke up to a bunch of donations and had no idea where they came from, you know, all, all in Mo's name. And then we tracked them all to Seattle, and they got, they figured out, you know, they found it on Reddit, and they were like, it was, it was an awesome thread where they're talking about, you know, what charities they can donate to in their appreciation for Baltimore taking two or three from the Red Sox. And it was neat to see them mention, you know, Moe's name specifically and, and you know, get some, get some donations going for that. I saw a bunch for um, the Maryland Children's Hospital, um, a few different homeless shelters in the city. I know I talked to someone with the Orioles and they said, you know, we woke up to a bunch of donations to the, the Orioles Charitable Foundation. And then Trey said the same thing. Like, I woke up and had no idea that where, where these donations came from and come to find out they're from Seattle. So it was a pretty neat thing. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping they can, they can kind of close the book on it and make a, you know, win these last two and, and get in because it, I think it would be an awesome story. It's, a, it's an awesome story nonetheless, but I think them kind of finishing it would, would be really cool. Um, just an, an awesome gesture and move. And I know we saw – didn't the Bills did something like this? When was it? To, was it last year with Baltimore after the playoff game? No, the, the well, they sent donations after Lamar got concussed they, and, and stuff like that. But the Bills sent donations to the Bengals after the Bengals eliminated from the, the Ravens from the playoffs with a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Bills sent mm. sent the Bengals. Uh, the, they sent Cincinnati a bunch of donations. Uh, all these fans did. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's 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 a cool thing that that it is you know, good. I'd it like good. to see something like this continue in sports. Yeah, how can you not be romantic about baseball, right, Eric? Exactly. We, we got to run, man. Always great talking to you. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your Saturday to come on the program. We'll be talking soon. All right. Absolutely. Thank you guys again. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye. That was Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports coming on the program today. Um, Always our number one guy if we want comedy on the show because he, he's just a funny guy. That's why I love. It. A, he he's very knowledgeable oh, about very sports. Knowledgeable. And he's a he's a big time Orioles fan. Oh yeah. But B, it's it's levity. He's yeah. very loose. Yeah. It's always fun. He, I started talking to him on my podcast, and he was always my favorite person to have on. Yeah, he's great because he's he's, he's just great. And there's a childlike wonderment to Eric Arditi mm-hmm. that that I love. And I, I'm not saying that as an insult. It's because he doesn't take anything too serious, right? Like, including the Orioles. He, right. He's you know he's he's obviously very very upset with the way this team is gone, but he doesn't really care because he lives you know that way. He just kind of and that's that's great. I think it's 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 always a, a great conversation when we we have on the show. So I'm gonna make an executive decision. Uh oh. We are going to do our second break 
after Orioles banter. Okay. We're going to do it between okay. um, Rich Dubrow, between Orioles banter and Rich Dubrow. So we got to get rolling here. Okay. Um, just want to remind you to join us every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. KZ will help you set your lineups and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver wire to help you win your matchups. It's all brought to you by CCBC, the Maryland Department of Transportation, and Glory Days Grill. That's the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Now, without further ado, the payoff pitch around the league. We are going to fly through these. Let's go. Okay, we're going to fly. Pat Vileka and Kevin Gutierrez each homer, but Danny Jansen had three RBIs and a homer of his own to keep the Blue Jays' dwindling playoff hopes alive with a 6-4 victory over the Orioles. Cole Tucker tripled and matched a grand slam to lead the Pirates over the Reds 9-2. Bobby Dalback and Hunter Renfro each homer to account for all four Red Sox runs as a 4-2 victory over D.C. pulled Boston within the game of the top wild card spot. Nelson Cruz homered and the Rays held off a Yankees ninth inning rally for their 99th win, 4-3. Bryce Harper had three hits, including his 35th home run, and Ranger Suarez struck out nine over seven shutout innings as the Phillies blanked the Marlins 5-0. Brendan Nimmo homered twice to back Tyler McGill's five shutout innings as the Mets beat the Braves 4-3. The Ramirez boys, Jose and Harold, combined for four hits and five RBIs as the Indians took down the Rangers 9-6. Tim Anderson had four hits, and Jose Abreu homered and drove in four to lead the White Sox over the Tigers 8-1. Matt Olson hit his 39th home run and drove in two to lead the A's over Houston 8-6. Hunter Dozier had three hits and two RBIs to lead a 15-hit attack for the Royals as they took care of business against the Twins 11-6. Tyler O'Neill homered twice, but it was Paul Goldschmidt who walked off the Cubs with an RBI single in the bottom of the ninth for a 4-3 Cardinals win. Leading 7-0 through five innings, the D-backs allowed six runs in the sixth and three runs in the ninth as the Rockies came from behind for a 9-7 victory. Darren Ruff homered and Anthony Disclafani picked up his 13th win with five shutout innings as the Giants are now just a win away from capturing the NL West following a 3-0 victory over the Padres. In a must-win situation to keep pace with the Red Sox, the Mariners mustered just one run in a 2-1 loss to the Angels to drop a game back of the Red Sox as their playoff chances took a devastating blow Friday night. And finally, Clayton Kershaw had to exit in the second inning with forearm soreness, but the Dodgers picked up their veteran aces Trey Turner homer twice and drove in five to turn a 5-1 deficit into an 8-6 Victory. <sighs> at 1 p.m., the Yankees, they host the Rays and look to stay in a wild card spot. At 3 p.m., your Baltimore Orioles take on the Blue Jays as John Means makes his final start of the 2021 campaign. At 4 p.m., the Red Sox look to grab the second wild card spot, but in their way is Josiah Gray and the Nats. The Padres battled the Giants in what two months ago would have been a much better matchup, but right now the Giants have obviously clinched a playoff spot. At 6, the Phillies visit the Marlins as Jesus Lazardo toes the rubber for one last time. At 6.30, the Reds visit the Pirates as Tyler Maley looks for his 14th win of the year. Kind of unbelievable the season he's had. 7 p.m., Tristan McKenzie and the Indians. They'll take on Jordan Lyles and the Rangers. The Athletics, they're in Houston, but are in an extremely tough spot playoff-wise and have no chance to make it at this point. The Twins take on the Royals and lefty Chris Bubich. Uh, Matt Manning and, Ty and the Tigers take on Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. Classic matchup of the Cubs and the Cardinals as John Lester looks to finish out his year strong. The Mets, they had a shockingly disappointing year. They'll try to win another game against the Braves who are going to be in the playoffs this year. At 8 p.m., the bottom of the NL West, the Rockies and D-backs, not a very exciting game on that side, but a big, big, big game for the Mariners. They'll try to grab that second playoff spot at 9 p.m. against the Angels. Starting for them is a guy with 14 wins, Chris Flexen, and finally a great pitching matchup between the Brewers, Corbin Burns, and the Dodgers, Julio Urias, as Urias looks for his 20th win of the season. Wow, 20 wins. Yeah. Hey, I just want to remind you, in case you forgot, every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. I got to tell you, 
That is the fastest I have ever read. That was really fast. The fastest I have ever read <laughs> the payoff pitch around the yeah. league. And I think I made the least mistakes of all time. Yeah, you were pretty clean with that. You, yeah. You, you really, you really uh, did everything pretty good. So congratulations. Hey, yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Zach, Zach faded down our music really fast yeah, to go. open the show. Exactly. And I, I, I read real fast, real good. <laughs> Love it. All right. Love Orioles it. banter. We're doing a season recap. Takeaways, okay. high points, low points, favorite moments. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Orioles infield. We only have about 10 minutes to do this. Um, takeaways. Um, for me, as bad as they were, as bad as this team was, I and mean, there's no getting around it, this team is bad. They could finish this year 52 and 110. That's yep. a bad baseball team. Yeah. I see more now than I did last year, the light at the end of the tunnel. When you look at... I do not. I'm sorry. Oh God, Go I ahead. Hate, I, I finish hate out. you so much finish today. Out. I just, I just uh, get out of my, <laughs> the, the, get out of my studio. The negativity today. Um, with what Ryan Mountcastle has shown to be and the fact he's only going to get better, mm-hmm. the season that Cedric Mullins put up, John means proving he's an ace on this staff. Maybe not an ace-ace, but an ace on this staff. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman... Coming back from the IL after missing what three months it seemed, and he coming out and pitching really well. He, he was good against yeah. the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, there is hope. For, and when you look at the minor leagues, and you know that Adley Rutschman's coming, and Kyle Stowers is coming, and Grayson Rodriguez is coming, and, and uh, Kyle Bradish is coming, and Michael Bauman, there is there is clear light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe that's why I'm more optimistic that the Orioles will be a little bit more active than you think. And, and again, it might not be spending money in free agency. It might be sure. making trades sure. to improve this ball club. Do I think the Orioles are going to suddenly win 82 games next year? No. no. But I think that they're on a nice track where 70 wins. And I said at the beginning of this year, and then the wheels fell off. because no. I, Look, nobody foresaw the pitching taking this big of a step back. Right. No, nobody saw that, right? Uh, I mean, and I guess, I guess somebody did. I guess people did. Yeah, I, I, I guess know. I guess all the sports writers that we said were wrong about the Orioles being right. bad, being bad. But, saw but it could a little you, bit. Dean Kramer being as bad as he was, and that's exactly why I don't have a ton of hope for next year. That's but just my point. Elias even said we don't have enough pitching. He did to go into next year. Yeah. we're going to have to acquire it externally. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, that says. We're not making the same mistake this offseason. Yeah, and, it's just about the quality. Yeah. That's the question for but, me. But my takeaways are, look, look it's knowing, knowing now what happened this year, mm-hmm. I can confidently say I can see the Orioles winning 70, maybe even 75 games next year if they correct the mistakes of last offseason. It's yeah. a big if. It's a big if because, like you right. said, seeing is believing, and just because I think it could happen— I'm still in the boat of I I'll believe it when I see. It. I still that's have that that, that yeah. mindset of I believe it when I see it. Right. But I'm reading between the lines very differently than you, and maybe that's because I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to the Orioles. I'm the one who convinced myself in 2002 when the Orioles lost four, uh, lost 32 of their last 36 games that that team with that you go back and look at that roster they were garbage, mm-hmm. and I convinced myself that that was a team that's going to win in Baltimore. So that's how I've always been. Uh, I. I Glass I, half full. I think that's great. I mean, I think you're. I, it's great to be positive. I personally, I'm very discouraged by the the pitching uh, this year that I saw, and I think I realized very early on in the season, as as probably Elias did too, that this is going to take a longer time than we thought because the pitching is really not all that strong. I, you know, when Dan Connolly wrote that article talking about that, you know, the Orioles didn't have enough pitchers in their system, he got like attacked for it. But I, I actually, I said it two months before that I, on this I, show. Yeah, I, I agree with him. He got attacked for it, and I'm going. 
he's right. Okay, sure. There's there's John Pinto. There's Zach Peak. You can look at all these guys, but Zach look, Peak isn't gonna, isn't going to be anything in the major league. Well, he right. he might not be. Yeah, but but let's let's just look at what happened to Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, all of these guys that were supposed to be this first wave of Orioles prospects. They came up, they didn't work out, and that's why that you know at least not yet they haven't. But Bruce Zimmerman looks good, and he should be you know probably the cream of the crop of those guys. But my point is here is that I I think this is going to take longer than we thought because it takes time for a lot of these guys, and not everyone is always going to work out the way you think it is. And the Orioles simply don't have enough pitching. To me for me to be confident in 2022 that they're going to make an impact now of course they could add externally I'm still skeptical of that as well but my point overall here is that I knew I well I wouldn't say I knew it but we thought Ryan Mountcastle was going to have the year he did he was great Cedric Mullins, bright spot. Love it. Austin Hayes stayed healthy the whole year. Love it. No, um, he, missed, he, he missed 30 games. Well, he played 130, though. I, yeah, I, I that's not staying healthy the whole year. True. But I, that's, that's, the, that's the best he's done in years. I think since, yeah. like, 2017. So yeah. it, really positive from Austin Hayes. Hit 22 home runs um, and, and, and locked down a spot for next year. And then I look at John Means, you know, coming back, rounding back into form. Excellent stuff. Cole Saucer's a really good relief pitcher. Tanner Scott, up and down year, but I'll still take it from him. <laughs> There's bright spots, and I'm, I'm, tr- I'm accepting those, but I also look at the pitching for next year, and I still and I, and I go, I'm not sure how much farther we are until guys like Grayson Rodriguez are here. That's my point. The bullpen should be a strength for this team. It they, should. they have too yeah. much talent in that bullpen for them yeah. to be that bad, and it all goes back to the starting pitching. They're just pitching. so taxed. Yeah, yeah. It, it all goes back to the starting pitching. Um, high points. This year, Cedric Mullins, yes, Ryan Mountcastle, Trey coming back from uh, colorectal cancer, and he's a year removed from from chemotherapy, and he put up a season. Uh, uh, look, it, by st- by Trey's standards, it was a down year. Yeah, but when you look at what he came back from, it's incredible. It's so hard. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. You're never the same after chemotherapy. No, and you can tell that Trey's wiped out. Right, he he's he's worn out. I expect him to come back and be better next year if he's still with the ball club. Yeah, next year that's a big if. There's a good chance he's not. It, it, he's either going to be. I really believe he's going to be either traded or non-tendered. I don't think they'd non-tender Trey. I don't think they'd do that to uh, him. Yeah, I, I I just look at it as you're going to pay him what seven or eight million. Do they really look at his they're production? Gonna tra- they're they're going to trade him. I, I would think so. They're, they're gonna, just not going to get a lot. They're going to trade him uh, somewhere. I don't yeah. I don't know where. But he's going to be traded someplace. Yeah, to a team that probably, needs him. probably. Um, low points: fourteen game losing streak, nineteen game losing streak. The 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 pitching as a whole. Um, <laughs> never never found an answer at second base or third base until no. the, it, the season was well over. Yeah. Um, really a revolving door at shortstop. Uh, you, Jorge Mateo and and Ramon Arias showed us something. But they both ended the first time getting yeah. extended looks, and they both ended the year on the eye. I, I do believe in both of those guys, especially uh, Arias. I think Pateo just didn't have enough of a sample size for me to say that's you know that's a, a potential piece. But I well, do like both of those guys. Well, let, let's let's talk about those guys sure. for a minute here. All right, let's look at the Orioles infield next. It's going to be Ryan Mountcastle at first base. Yep. yep. Right. We saw really good things out of that trio of Arias, Mateo, and Kelvin Gutierrez. Yep. We talked earlier in the program about how Kelvin Gutierrez's bat has come alive. I'm convinced he's your third baseman next year. Not because I think he's good enough to do it, but because I think he showed enough to the Orioles brass that they're okay with him being a, a, a being bridging that gap until Henderson and Westbrook. Again, I, I think it boils down there to just lack of better options, and I, I totally agree. I think that he's the guy. So a lot of times we're fooled by a late-season um, explosion. Sure. You look back at Gary Matthews and Luis Matos. I was convinced those guys were going to be stars, mm-hmm. and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Right, And they weren't. I'm not convinced of that with Kelvin Gutierrez. I'm not convinced. I'm not at all. No. When, when I say he's your starting third, I'm not saying, oh, man, he did enough to be. 
I think that he's done enough that they're going to look at him. That they're going to go in there with him having the inside track. I I would agree. I, I think there's going to be some other guys uh, brought in potentially externally through minor league deals, stuff like that. Yeah. And of course, I think Ryland Bandit will probably get a long look in spring training. But I would agree. I think I think he's the in, got the inside track. And honestly, who do the Orioles really have otherwise? Right. There's Nobody. really no. Maybe Patrick Dorian. Um, he's now at AAA, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a, 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 a substantial impact at the major league level in 2022. I think he's got to prove that he can get that batting average up. Fair enough. He's, yeah. he's hitting, what, like 240, right? Like 242? I, I think the on-base percentage was around like 360, though. The, so the on-base percentage, the power is yeah. there. The glove's yeah. not terrible. Um, I, he'll get a look at some point next year, for sure, especially if Gutierrez is struggling. Right. Um, but I, I think he's got to prove that he can hit minor league pitching at a higher clip before he gets that call. I don't disagree. Now, Arias and Jorge Mateo. You could make the argument that that's your shortstop and your second baseman going into next year. The, the speed plays for Mateo. The bat was a lot better. I think he hit like 287 since yeah. coming over to the Orioles. Urias, it seemed like he came up with the clutch hit every time, mm-hmm. right? And the, he, he puts the bat on the ball. He puts mm-hmm. the ball in play. Can he stay healthy? Can the glove play? Because that was a question mark last year. Uh, can he play shortstop full-time? I think he's more second baseman. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um I think he's an everyday major league player, but I yeah. think he's got to stay healthy. I don't think that the Orioles need sure. to. Do the Orioles need to go out and get a shortstop? Is are you because if you're just looking at what these guys bring their upside offensively, okay, okay, but can they play enough defense behind? I think that's the biggest question mark is can they play enough defense behind a young pitching staff to mm-hmm. stick at the major league level? I I don't know if Arias is. Well, I, I do know he's not a good defender. I, I think we can both agree that he's not a very good defender. Um, and, and and I think his bat makes up for it in a good amount of, of ways. However, I don't think we can throw Arias behind the Orioles pitching staff, the young pitching staff that they have at short. I just don't think that's the way. I, I think it's got to be at second base. Um, and I think there's a lot of concerns with even a guy like Mateo. Mateo's glove is not very strong either. Um, so it definitely concerns me when you look at that. Gutierrez is, is a fantastic glove. One of the best. I think maybe the best since Manny Machado. Oh, the, there's no question. Base. It's the best since Manny. He, he's, he's really, really good. Um, and, and, that and arm is, that arm is so the strong. The arm is, is sensationally good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's great to see that. And I think that... Gutierrez is going to come in with that inside track again, like I just said, and I think he's going to have every chance to win that job, and and he deserves it. He's played really well. One of the things that I really like about him that uh, Franco and Rio Ruiz didn't have is the speed aspect to his game. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree. Franco and Rio Ruiz, yikes. Look, if if you get 250 out of Gutierrez and he plays that kind of defense, I think you take that. Yeah, sure. You know, I I think you take that. Because you know the power is not going to be there. So it's just about, you know, getting base hits. It's really what we we want him to do. He might tap out at 15 home runs. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, he's shown a little bit more power that, recently. He's shown more power recently. Sure, but he might, he might get to fifteen home runs. He's got a big body, man. He's, a, he's he a, does. He's a pretty he pretty big guy. I, it, I'm not convinced he can't hit for power. You know, I'm I'm not convinced about that. I think that I do think they're going to bring in a free agent shortstop, whether it's Simmons, Iglesias, or Galvis. I think they're going to bring in a shortstop because yeah, I, and, I think and, so. And Mateo is going to be that guy who moves all around the field. He moves through the infield, moves through the outfield. Um, I think the only position he won't play is first base, it's, pitcher and catcher. It's really interesting you mentioned Simmons. I think Simmons is, if I look at what I think Mike Elias is going to do and I look at and I break it down in my head, Simmons is like the guy that I see Mike Elias going after this offseason. Because he's that slight upgrade over Freddie Galvis, but he's not anywhere close to a star at this point in his career. 
it just makes sense. Like that that is that is the guy that I think Mike Elias will go after. That's the guy where he's going to give you the strongest defense yep. behind your pitching stuff. Yep. And that's why they brought in Yomer Sanchez. Yep. Uh, and then he just wasn't as good as they thought he was defensively. If he played really great defense in spring training, he would have started the year as, as the Orioles second base. Yeah, I, I, I still think he should have. I'm still disappointed they went with Rio Ruiz uh, at second base. That, that will always make me angry. Rio Rio Rears. Rio Ruiz. <laughs> we um, love that. We look, love that. Look. Uh, they're gonna go out and sign a shortstop. Yeah, I, I'm. I think it's gonna. It's either gonna be Galvis, or it's because Iglesias had like a negative WAR defensively this year for the Angels. Did he? Wow. Okay. At shortstop, he had a negative WAR. Wow. It's gonna be Igles- It's gonna be Galvis, or it's gonna be Simmons. I think that's who's coming in to play shortstop. Mm-hmm. Or Carlos Correa. No, it's not gonna be Carlos. Correa. <laughs> Um, Still tired of hearing people. We, say we that. gotta we gotta hit a break. I gotta I gotta text Rich and let him know. But oh. look, it's gonna be a big off season. Our first off season show and our playoff um, look uh, starts next Saturday. Yep. Gonna be a good off season. I'm excited about it for a number of reasons. We'll get into that later. Right now, we gotta hit a third and final break. But before we do that, I just want to remind you once again: this season, Press Boxes Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined post game by your favorite analysts like the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. KZ joins Glenn tomorrow after the Baltimore Denver matchup. Watch the show at Facebook.com/slash/PressBoxSports and listen at Press. PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. PressBox's Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. We got to hit a break. When we come back, Rich Dubrow from BaltimoreBaseball.com. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. It's brought to you by PressBox, Grade 8's memorabilia, and True Strong Services. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Roll, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the Press Box Studios here in Baltimore. It's been a really great show, and it's about to get that much better because from BaltimoreBaseball.com, we have the one and only Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? We're doing really well. It's the uh, it's the end of the season, so we're a little sad about that. Even though they've been bad, Rich, we're not going to watch Orioles baseball for five months, and that makes us sad in this studio at least. How are you feeling about about the season? Are you ready for it to end? Do you have any off-season plans? Uh, what are your takeaways from this season? Uh, well, yes, I've been re- uh, yes, I'm ready for it to end. There's yeah. the 162 games is a is is a lot is a lot of games. Uh and uh they're not uh, competitive, so let's move on to 2020 22. Uh, off-season plans are uh Doing, uh, you know, write, writing at least five days a week, uh, yep. keeping the uh, keeping the the site going, and uh, you know, trying to give fans, uh, you know, worthwhile information on BaltimoreBaseball.com. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, Rich, after this season, the Orioles they they could finish this year fifty two and one hundred and ten. Either way, but however many games they win in the last two days, it's been a bad year. Where do you feel this rebuild stands as this team is currently constructed? Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel here? I don't know. Uh, I, I think that there better. Be, I think that there better be, you know, some measurable improvements next year because uh, you know there weren't really, you know, enough improvements this year. And in fact, there were some regret. You know, there were some noticeable regressions this year. And uh, you know, I had expected. Uh, I had expected the team to win, you know, about 10, 12 more games than they, than, than they're going to win this year. You know, I, I would have thought that they would have been into the mid, mid to upper nineties and losses, uh, which is a, a lot, you know, what some of the, uh, you know, odds makers had and, and baseball perspective and, uh, you know, the consensus sort of was that they'd be in that category and that area. And that's where I thought they, that's where I thought they'd be, uh, and I, I know a lot of people got all excited after last year because they were 25 and 35. They're only 10 games uh, below 500, and they got fooled by that because that was still a 95 loss that would you know equate to a 95 loss season. Yeah. And I think had they played a conventional 162 game season last year, they would have had a record you know similar to what they have this year. Yeah, I think we'd all uh, agree to that. Yeah, because I think that they, you know, they their deficiencies would have been, um, you know, really really exposed. Uh, but you know, I, I think that there are some 
hopeful signs. I mean, in September, um, in September, there are things, uh, you know, I, I, you know, there are better starting pitching performances. Uh, you know, a couple of players have been intriguing. Kelvin Gutierrez has been intriguing. Uh, Mateo, before he was hurt, was intriguing. You know, th- th- that's not to say that uh, that these are answers for the team, but these are, you know, guys you can guys you can take into next year with the chance that maybe they'll be, uh, you know, th- that they'll be uh, placeholders for a while. Uh, to, to think that guys like you know Mateo and Ramon Arias and and, and uh, Gutierrez are going to be you know future you know fu- future regulars for the Orioles. I, th- I think it's a you know that that's a bit of a reach. But you know maybe if they're you know at least placeholders until some of the young guys come along, which I think will happen later next season, then uh, you know then maybe they'll be. A little, you know, maybe they'll be a little better, but there, there's so much that this team needs, so much. No, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And with that in mind, Michael Elias came out and spoke to the media on Thursday, and he made some comments that you could take one way or you could take the other. Um, he addressed that they that while he likes some of the pitching in this system, that they don't have enough to be a competitive ball club, so they're going to have to add to this pitching staff in the offseason. What do you make of the the comments that Michael Elias made, uh, basically saying that they're not going to be active at the top of the free agent market unless somebody's number comes down and they're willing to take a shorter-term deal? What do you read from these, if you're reading the tea leaves, that he's going to do this offseason? Well, you know, I I asked him the question about the, you know, if they had enough pit, you know, if I I thought with the young guys they had enough pitching to be uh you know to, to construct a rotation around and i got the answer that I, I i thought i would but to think that the orioles are going to go and um you know make a big splash in the free agent market with um you know top uh top level uh starters i mean i think that that's you know that, that that's silly um the top level starters even if they the orioles had the money are going to have a lot better choices if they're looking for teams that are going to be, you know, going to be competitive. Um, you know, if a second tier guy, if a second or third tier guy uh, doesn't get the interest in the market that he thinks, then maybe, you know, he can, maybe he can fall to the Orioles sort of, sort of like Mikhail Franco, um, even though he was a, he, he was not a good free agent signing, but it looked like it, he could be. But if a guy, you know, with a sort of name who has sort of a track record, uh, fell to the, you know, fell in the market, then, uh, then maybe they'd be, you know, maybe they'd be interested there where I think where I'm going to be interested is to see if maybe they trade, uh, for some of the, you know, for starters and maybe not, not from where you think, maybe they'll actually trade some of their young position prospects. Pitchers, right? That's what I was. You know, not not, what, not 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 you know not trade Trey Mancini, or not you know, or not certainly not trade you know Cedric Mullins or, or John Means or you know Austin or Austin Hayes or Ryan Mountcastle. You know, yeah, you listen to anything that somebody has, but um, if you want to, if you're if you want to get better starting next season, and he does, and he, and, and that's one thing that. You know, I took away is that having a better record next year is very, very important to him. 
Uh, and if you do that, you know, they, they don't have enough pitching coming up. I mean, they have Grayson Rodriguez and maybe they have DL Hall, but beyond that, there are a lot of question marks. So eventually they'll have to trade for some pitching and, you know, whether, I don't know, I, I don't think that they would do it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he traded some of his, you know, infield or outfield prospects for, um, you know, for some pitching. Yeah, no, and I was saying that to Zach because we've been talking all year about what are the or, or, over the last two months anyway, what are the Orioles going to do in free agency this offseason? And I honestly think it's a little bit more likely yeah. that they make a trade to get the starting pitching because I don't think they're going to be in play for, this, for the starting pitchers they are going to – they're not going to be able to spend the money on the starting pitchers. They're going to make a difference for this team. And I, I think that I think where they should and will spend some money is in the bullpen, because okay. I think that maybe you know for less you know for less money, if you could get you know two competent, durable relief pitchers who can sort of show the younger guys some toughness. Uh, then maybe that's a maybe that might be a really good investment because uh, the bullpen is an area uh, in a lot of ways where you know where they've regressed. Oh, absolutely, they they have. And I, honestly, I've always thought that this that this bullpen should be a strength for the team, and they've just been so taxed this year because of the poor starting pitching that they've kind of fallen off a cliff here. So I, I agree. Well, with you. maybe maybe also there maybe it's not maybe it's not just the starting pitchers' fault. Maybe it's the bullpen's fault. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely blame. <laughs> there's plenty of blame to go around here. That's that's for sure. Zach, go ahead. Yeah, Rich, I, I just want to ask about the the catching position because you know Rutschman is going to be the guy next year. You know he's going to be the starter. But you look at Pedro Severino going into arbitration, probably a guy that's going to be non-tendered. And then you look at the backup catching situation after that. You have Austin Wins, and the Orioles really don't have many options. There's obviously Brett Cumberland. There's a few guys. But what is the the value of bringing in a, a good catcher that can really mentor Rutschman and help out behind the plate? Not much. I think that that would be you know, a really good catcher. I, I think that Rutschman should be a really good catcher. And if Rutschman's a really good catcher, they'd have somebody who'd play 30 or 40 games a year. Yeah. And for that, you know, for that wins or wins or someone just like him uh, mm-hmm. might be the guy or, you know, in a year or so they may have, you know, one of those guys they also drafted like Maverick Handley. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be the backup catcher, but it, but I, I, I think that you know wins could certainly, uh, wins could certainly return as the backup catcher. I don't see anything, you know, wrong with that. If they want to try and upgrade, but I think upgrading is going to be hard because yeah. they're not going to want to spend a lot of money on a backup catcher. Right. A catcher is not necessarily going to want to come here who's going to play thirty or forty games. And just be the you know the sounding board. I mean, if it was an older guy, you know, let's say a healthier Matt Weeders, which you know he's he was out of baseball this year. But I mean, somebody like that who would play thirty or forty games and and be a uh, you know a mentor to him. Well, that's fine. But I think Austin Wins could certainly like know, a, could certainly do that, like a Kurt Suzuki or a Stephen Vogt type of player. Now, no, uh, I, I don't think that I don't think that they. I think that the guys like that might have options elsewhere, but you know, that's true. Uh, yeah. But I think that the, 
But I, I think you want actually a more solid defensive catcher. Yeah, no, I, mean, I those are those guys are more sort of offensive, um, offensive minded, and I think with what you have, I think with young, you know, a young pitching staff, I think that you need, uh, you know, I'd rather sacrifice some offense and and keep a guy like Wins. Yeah, I agree. Wins is a, is a has been a solid defensive catcher, kind of brought stability to that position. Uh, that was. A, Basically, a, a huge hole for the Orioles the first half of the season. Rich, speaking of catching and speaking of Adley Rutschman, Michael Elias said that they're open to him starting the year on the opening day roster uh, next season. To me, I don't think that there should be any kind of service clock manipulation because of the fact that if he's as good as you say he is, you're going to extend him before he ever even gets to that point in his career. Not to mention the fact that if there is a new CBA, well, there needs to be a new CBA, there's probably going to be something in there where they can't do the service clock manipulation anymore, at least not the way they've been doing it. What is your confidence that uh, Adley Rutschman will be the catcher on opening day next year? Pretty high. Um, I, I think that Elias just doesn't want to, uh, doesn't want to anoint Rutschman. And just say, oh yeah, he's going to be here opening day. Right. You know, even though Rutschman is not one, is a very hard worker, and he's not one to take things for granted. Uh, you still don't want to say, oh, you're going to be there. So what if he hits? You know, what if he hits 130 in Sarasota, and he really looks a little rough, which I don't think he will be. Um, then you know, then you want the option to to send him down. Right. You know. To start, you know, you don't. What you don't want to do is have him come up and then hit 130 through May, and and the fans saying, "Oh, you know, this is a bust." Um, you know, you want to make sure that he can he can play here. I mean, I he can play here right now. Oh, um, he absolutely could. But uh, I, I just think that that's him. Uh, I just think that's Mike trying to uh, temper uh, Rutschman and not thinking, not having anybody think that they have a a job that's uh, already uh, already yeah. there for them. All right, and, and Rich, final question for you today. Um, all the stuff that we're talking about is pretty contingent on that new CBA that expire. The, the current one expires in December. They got to get another one done. To they have to avoid a work stoppage, in my opinion. With that in mind, how confident are you that a new collective bargaining agreement will be reached and be, they'll be able to avoid that work stoppage? Well, you know, I'm an optimistic person. Okay. And uh, a very optimistic person, uh, you know. I thought that the, uh, you know, I thought the pandemic was going to be gone long before now. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that they're going to get it. I think they're going to get it done because there's no choice. Yeah. Uh, you have a very weak commissioner, I think, and a very weak uh, players' association head who don't like each other. That, that's the negative. The 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 realism is they're neither neither side is in a position of economic strength right now because of the pandemic revenues are down tv ratings are tv ratings are down uh you know they could go and try and kick the can and try and you know do it again next year and play uh, play another year under this which neither side wants or they can just buckle down between now and december 1st and there'll be all kinds of fighting all kinds of rhetoric but i think that they could get it done They've worked together when they needed to. They worked together on domestic violence. They worked together on the health and safety protocols uh, last year, two very, very contentious and difficult issues, and they were able to work that out. Uh, they need to work this out. 
because if they don't, you know, a work stoppage would be su- a work stoppage would be suicidal. They've already lost, yeah. you know, uh, millions of fans around the country, not just here. You know, you know, an interesting an interesting thing, guys, is that you know, as bad as the Orioles' attendance is this year relative to Major League Baseball, it's up. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, they were 28th. This year, they're 26th. That's so. crazy. They had less than 800,000 fans, and they were they, yeah. they went up. So they finished, I think, 793. So yeah. right, not a but lot. But I mean, there were there were you know uh, they had more fans than Miami, Oakland, Tampa Bay. That's Tampa crazy. Bay, underline that. Yeah, and uh, Toronto and Toronto. Well, even though Toronto may move ahead, but Toronto had, of course, uh, you know some. Uh, they, they played in a minor league park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Rich, I want to I want to thank you for coming on the show as often as you did this year. You, I think you came on more than anybody else, and I know especially you. Do, do I get do I, uh, uh, do I get do I get anything? Do I get like a participation trophy for that? I I, I can <laughs> I can mail you a blue ribbon if you'd like. There I'll, we go. I'll mail you a blue ribbon. Uh, and I really appreciate it because I know you go on Bruce Cunningham more often than not on Saturdays around twelve thirty. So we really appreciate you taking time. Appreciate to, it, Rich. to come talk to us. Enjoy the off seasons. Enjoy some of your downtime. We know you're going to keep turning out those articles. Oh, um, over at BaltimoreBaseball.com. But just wanted to thank you for uh, you being a trooper and coming on as often as you did this year. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Zach. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great offseason. Okay, thank you. you. You guys as well. Thank you. And that was Rich Dubroff coming to you from BaltimoreBaseball.com. The guy has a lot he's to awesome. say. He, he, oh he's my, awesome. I'm loud. I'm allowed. Uh, you're, you're all right. There we he, go. He, he always has a lot to say, and, it's, and he has really great insight on the team. He and, does. And he... he I think that his perspective is usually correct when it when it comes to this. He, team. He's a little bit conservative with the way he views the rebuild and how it's going, and I think I like that a lot. Now, I feel like I'm kind of the same way and kind of thinking along the same lines as he is. So I I, I always enjoy hearing his perspective. Yeah, and it's it's safe. It's safe to right. be conservative, right? You know, because nobody can accuse you of being too down, and nobody can t- accuse you of being exactly. too up. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I love so that approach. If, if only we all could have the same approach. Just want to remind you: every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com/slash/PressboxSports. Listen at PressboxOnline.com/slash/Radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Hall of Famers James Lofton, former Ravens coach Brian Billick, and wide receiver Brandon Stokely, and MLB.com's Jim Callis, who's an excellent interview. Yes. Find those interviews and more today at the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. And just want to remind you that Tyus Bowser Show is headed your way this season. Join the Baltimore linebacker and a special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. If you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen to them the next day. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by True Strong Services, Great H Memorabilia, and Pressbox. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser or at Great8SMemorabilia.com. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. We got to get our final break. Actually, sell me a RAV4 real quick. All right. Make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BioToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, and just wanted to let everybody know we're doing Take the Rake when we come back Sounds from the good. break. Sounds good. 
as one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Bear Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, Beer, Wine, and Spirits Showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. The latest issue of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defense superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. If you change lanes and brake suddenly in front of my tractor trailer, I won't be able to stop. Our lives could change forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. It's brought to you by PressBox. Great Eights Memorabilia and True Strong Services. All right. Kind of did things a little bit backwards today. Uh, we saved, we did our second break after Orioles banter. We usually do it before the payoff pitch around the league. Uh, we say sounding off for the end of the day, but we actually just made the executive decision, the, the co-executive decision to uh, scrap sounding off for this week because it's kind of a, um, it's an evergreen uh, sounding off, so he can do it at mm-hmm. any time. Yeah, it's not ex- it's not really timely like to this week. Yeah, so in we'll, specific. we can totally talk about it next week. Um, as for take to rake, 
Melanie got the win. We mm-hmm. agreed Melanie got the win because, frankly, everybody sucked this week. Um, Cedric Mullins had one hit since last Saturday. Uh, Austin Hayes had four. He went four for 19. That's who Melanie took. Yeah. Um, and then Zach took Ryan Mountcastle, and he had two hits all week. Both of them were home runs. But you can't win take to rake with two hits. You can't win take to rake with one hit. Uh, Melanie, and because the guests, uh, and, well, one, because the guests only have four wins all year. And for two, Melanie gift-wrapped a, a, a regular season take-to-rake title to me last week. So we're going to give her the victory for take-to-rake for last week. So the final regular season standings. I win the regular season with mm-hmm. 11 wins. That comes in second with eight. Uh, the guests uh, third with five, and then there were three ties. Because of that, uh, there will be no guest picks mm-hmm. for take-to-rake for the remainder of the postseason. For the, for the entirety of the postseason, it hasn't even started yet. There will be no guest picks. It will just be Zach and I. I am the regular season champion. Zach is still in this. Zach can win the World Series of Take to Rake. So what we're going to do, and I'm, okay. and I'm trying to go back and forth on this because I, I beat you pretty handily. And when I say pretty handily... I had three more wins than you. When you have a twenty-six yeah. win season or twenty-six week season, I had three more wins than you. Um, so you have an opportunity to win in the postseason. Your thing, what your screen went black again. So we, are, are we going to do that? You have the opportunity to win it outright because it doesn't seem fair that I should have that I should win the regular season and have and potentially lose in the playoffs to you. But that's how sports work. Right. I mean, we could just do, and then, two. It, but but if you did a cumulative, I might only need to win once, and then you'd be out of it. I I thought we already decided you had the win for the regular season, so we'll just go with that, and then we'll do and we'll make the playoffs a separate thing. We just make the playoffs a separate thing. That and the way I look at it. Okay, so I'm your take to rake regular season yeah, champion. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go. With and that. then there's a, and we won't call it the World Series of Take to Rake. We'll, we'll, the part, playoff champion, part two. The the, the playoffs champion, um, and we'll figure out what that means. So, uh, my idea for this week is we could pick a player from one of the potential playoff teams for the next week. Does yeah, we're, we're not going to pick an Orioles player. They okay, have two okay, games yeah, left. Yeah, we're not, yeah. uh, right, so you, you're going to... We are now into postseason mode uh, here with Take to Rake. Um, Melanie won. There's no guest pick. She's not going to... She's not... So, we're not... A great win to end the year for, for our guests and for Melanie, but that has nothing to do with anything at this point. Um... My suggestion is don't pick a wild card player mm-hmm. because if they if their team loses, then you got one game out of them. Uh, so who are your teams that aren't playing in the wild card? You have your division winners. So I guess just don't pick a player from the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the uh, the Yankees, Red Sox, and that's not even decided yet. So just pick your just go with your division winners. Uh, with that in mind, first and foremost, let's do this the fun way. One round of. Um, Rock, paper, scissors to see who picks first. Okay. All right. so, or do I pick first because I won the regular season? Up to you. you we'll make, do rock, paper, scissors. That, that's more fun. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. All I right. Think, I, think that's, I think that's exactly yeah. what happened the last I, time. I actually, I thought you won last time. No, I don't you, know. you won. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so Zach, you're going to pick first. Okay. Again, my suggestion is to pick from the division winners. And it has to be, it can be AL or NL. Anybody. Either. Okay. It can be anybody. I'm going Trey Turner. Trey, that's a wild card team. 
Oh, true. That is. I, I keep thinking the Dodgers won. I hey, look, look. I can't wrap my mind around the fact that the Giants actually won that division. I, it, so I, my I bad. can't wrap my mind around <laughs> the fact that the Dodgers oh, could play one postseason game and be done. I was all set to go Trey Turner too. I was so excited to go Trey Turner, and that's oof. Uh, you, you, let's make your pick because I gotta think. I gotta rethink this now, actually. So I'm, I'm gonna leave it up to you, actually. Wander Franco. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm taking Wander Franco. That's a good one. Hmm. There's so many, honestly, there really is a lot of good options here, and it's tough. Um, Rays, White Sox, Astros, yeah. Braves, Brewers, Giants. Carlos Correa. I'll go Carlos Correa. That's a solid pick. Yeah. That's a solid pick. All I, right. I, I feel confident. Wander Franco, Carlos Correa. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to type this out because there's no way. I'm We're never going to remember that. Uh, never going to remember that. Uh Wander Franco. Wander Fra- yeah, Wander Franco, it's interesting because he kind of had a rough start to his career. He, you know, he Dude, he's batting over 280. He yeah. had like a 45-game on base streak. It, it, he's having he's having a good year. Expectations, I think, for, for Wander were so large that he came up. And obviously, it's, it's so hard to live up to expectations of being the number one prospect immediately. It just doesn't work out like that. And he came up, and I think his on-base percentage was was low to start, and then it you know it shot up, and now he's he's. Someone said the other day he's, he's you know not even old enough to drink yet, and he's one of the top twenty-five players in baseball. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Well, that was Juan Soto. Juan yeah. Soto was a top five yes. player at not, at twenty. Years I do old. love Juan Soto. He's a he's the best ha- player if, in baseball. If you hadn't heard, he's the best player in baseball. Yes, I said that going into this year, and he got off to a slow start, but he proved it. Mm-hmm. He's the best player in baseball. But you can't discount what Bryce Harper did this year. Agreed. It, what he did this year, nobody's done it since Barry Bonds in 1998. Yeah. 40 doubles, uh, 35 homers, mm-hmm. uh, 84 RBIs, and I, I, it was so, and I think and 99 walks. Nobody's done that since 1998. I think he's one of five players in history to do it. Yeah. Um, no, no, it, no discounting Bryce Harper. He's incredible. N- he's the National League MVP. I, so I watched Juan Soto last night. I, I I got out to three Nats games, I think, this year, and I was at the Nats game last night. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way that Soto commands an at-bat is just unlike anyone I've ever seen. I think since Barry Bonds is the only other guy that I've seen kind of do this, where he just commands the strike zone so unbelievably well. The guy knows what a ball and a strike is. Maybe better than anyone I've ever seen. Juan Soto knows the strike zone to a T. He just knows. And he last night he walked three times. He walked three times during that game. He, what, what, he walked four times going uh, last Friday. Yeah, he walked four times. When you were making your argument that he mm-hmm. should be the MVP, he walked yep. four times the night before. The bottom line is, Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. I agree. And if the Nationals were what we thought, what what we expected them to... I picked them to win the division yeah. this year, and they fell off a freaking cliff. I have no idea who I've been... I think I picked the Braves. Could be wrong. Probably. Everybody else did. I don't know. Um, Juan Soto, if the Nationals were what, what we expect them to be, or if they even won 81 games. Mm-hmm. They went 81 and 81. Juan Soto is your National League MVP. He, he just is. And Bryce Harper, no no, no disrespect to Bryce Harper. He's had a phenomenal... The, arguably the best season of his career, right? Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. Yep. And it's not close. And that includes Mike Trout. Now, Mike Trout can have something to say about that when he comes back next year. But yeah. all you have to do is look at Josh Donaldson to see how calf injuries linger. And that Mike Trout might never be the same. I, I thought when Mike Trout was injured, they said like two months, three months, turned into a whole season. It's so a, They said that he could, he would be back by July 18th. And right. He, and he never right. came back. Real quick, yeah. Zach picked up a live read, which made me... Let me do mine first, and then you can do yours. Are you disappointed that sports betting isn't in place in Maryland in time for the start of football season? Because we're about to talk about football. So, so are we. But if you want to win some money on football, you can do it legally. 
And we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Deposit $10 and use the code PRESSBOX, and we'll give we'll give $10 free to play with. Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season, and it's not just football. There are plenty of baseball contests on Underdog, too. So go to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy, click on the Underdog logo, deposit your $10, and get your $10 free, or use the code PRESSBOX at UnderdogFantasy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and underdog. Zach. All right. The latest issue of PressBox is available now on the cover. Bo Smoker profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players, and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBox online.com we know Zach that you got to get out of here I do have to go to work yeah yes. so we're gonna uh, we're gonna do this really quickly okay. uh, the Ravens last week should have blown out the Lions they should have blown them out uh, Hollywood dropped uh, two touchdown passes he dropped another long completion they had I think Ravens receivers had five drops Lamar legitimately should have thrown for 375 yards yeah. and three touchdowns I mean he, he was dropping dimes all day yeah, he yeah. was perfect he, he, he was he, he wasn't perfect but he was he was damn close he yeah. was he it would have been arguably one of the best games of his career if his receivers didn't let him down. With that said, they needed a Justin. T- they needed a conversion on fourth and nineteen where they completed a thirty-six yard pass. They needed help from the uh, from the game clock. They they should have been called for delay game. They should have been called for delay game, and, and, and they weren't. Yeah. Um, and then they needed the longest kick by two yards in NFL history, a sixty-six yard miracle prayer kick. It caused me that one play caused me to lose my voice last week. I almost passed out from the adrenaline. I jumped into my brother-in-law's arms like I made the kick and it won the Super Bowl. It was ridiculous. It was awesome. All the naysayers, oh, well, there was delay. I had one Steelers guy in my mentions on Twitter who was just hating on everything Ravens, and it's, you can tell it's shocking. It's sour. Great. At one point, I finally said to him, I said because he was arguing with everybody, I said, dude, you look ridiculous. Go away, Big Ben, and, and he didn't. He didn't comment again. Big Ben fell down throwing a pass this week. He fell down, and not just throwing a pass. He fell down throwing a pass to his rhyme, ru- running back yeah. behind the line of scrimmage, untouched, untouched. Uh, yeah. He, yeah he, so Steelers fans, you fell have, down like a weeble wobble. You have no room to talk about anybody else's play because the Steelers are probably going to win like five games this year if they stick with Big Ben as quarterback. Yeah, it's pretty and, embarrassing. And then if they go to Dwayne Haskins, they're still not. That's win not. A, that's not a winning um, formula. So they play the Broncos tomorrow. The Broncos have a really good defense. They're they're allowing an average of nine points per game. They're three yeah. and zero, but their opponents' combined records are zero and nine. So they yeah. haven't really played anybody. So with that in mind, and they're also missing a, a quite a few players tomorrow. Um, I believe you picked first. Lot you went first last week, so I'm going to go first this week. I think that. So this is Jeremy Kahn's lock of the week. He says that uh, the Broncos are going to beat Baltimore. I think the Ravens are going to beat the Broncos. I think they're going to beat them handily. I think they're going to beat them by like by two scores. So I'm saying Ravens 31, Broncos 17. I don't think the Broncos have enough firepower on offense to, to, to beat the Ravens. I think the Ravens were really close to blowing out the Lions, and people will be talking about them a lot differently this week. Uh, if... I don't know that Rashad Bateman's going to play. 
I think he'll dress and maybe, kind of like Des Bryant in his first game last year, I think he'll dress but not really have much of an impact on the game. Uh, you'll see him get into that rotation as the season continues. Uh, but yeah, Ravens 31, Broncos 17. The, the Broncos offense won't be able to keep up with the Ravens. Uh, yeah, I so I disagree with, you said it was Jeremy Kahn? Yeah. I disagree with that. Uh, I do not think there is anywhere close to a lock that the Broncos win this game. I think this game is going to be very close, though. And I'm going to pick Ravens 26. Oh, Ravens, sorry. Ravens 27, Broncos 26. I think okay. the Ravens are going to beat them by one point. Um, after what I saw versus the Lions, I the Lions did a really good job shutting down the Ravens' run game. For all intents and purposes, they did a very good job. And I, I think it's honestly some of it's on the Ravens' offense from making or the coaching staff from making the wrong decisions about who to run the ball for whatever reason they refuse to run Tyson as much as they should be yeah. he just well, he keeps fumbling he keeps fumbling yeah but still I, I mean Devontae Freeman gives you nothing he, he really does he gives you nothing um, and then if you look at Latavius Murray's a power back that should be used more towards the goal line not really in you know uh, second tens or whatever but my point is here is that you give Tyson Williams the ball, I think you're going to have a better running game than you did against uh, Detroit, but the Broncos' defense is legit. I'm not really worried about Teddy Bridgewater, but then again, this Ravens' defense has looked pretty bad. And now Anthony Averett's questionable. Half the team, actually, half the team is questionable. Yeah, they'll, they'll all play for the most part, I, 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 I hope. I, I think, but uh, I think the Ravens go a lot of up-tempo mm-hmm. tomorrow. I think they do a lot of no-huddle because they're going to try and keep that, that defense on their heels and tie that defense out. And look, you have to contend with Von Miller who looks like the Von Miller of old. He's having he, yeah. I think he had I think he's got four or five sacks already. Um Von or, or was it like he had four sacks last week? Yeah, he's play, he's played extremely well. Yeah, he, um but L- L- Lamar's not the easiest quarterback to sack. No. When, when he gets sacked is when he holds on to the ball too long and, and, and waiting for his yeah. his reads to open up. So, we'll see. We both have the Ravens winning. I have them winning in a, in a I, Borderline blowout. You have them winning in a very close contest by one point. We'll see how it goes. Zach, we know you got to get out of here. Guys, thank you for tuning into the bat around all season long, especially in just an awful season where we saw a lot of regression. We saw a lot of high points, but we saw more low points. Um, John Means, no hitter. Cedric Mullins, 30-30 season. Ryan Mountcastle proving to be a legit hitter and arguably a top three finisher in uh, AL Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, Trey coming back from colorectal cancer yeah. uh, and playing the way he did and just the home run derby, the story that he was. Thank you so much for tuning into the bat around and sticking with us. Guys, it's not always going to be bad. I can't wait till we're doing this show and we're talking about a good Orioles team. I've never done that. I have never done a podcast or a radio show where I've talked about a good Orioles team. So I am very excited for when that's coming. Hopefully next year, but probably not for another two years. Until then, Until next week when we start our offseason, thanks for tuning into the Bat Around. See ya!